everyone and welcome to Quarantine in the Multiverse, episode two. <laughs> so we're back Attack at- of the Clones. Shut up. No, no, no. How dare you? Shut up. Shut up. Show your filthy face. This uh, is going to be the worst one until <laughs> nine. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd rather not be here for nine. But, you know. Yeah. yeah, hopefully we're back to a regular show before we get to nine. But honestly, it's looking... I'm we can, we can do nine in 30 years' time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm erring to the side of failure on, on everything now, so I can be happily surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Everything is terrible. Yeah, I, I'm braced for months of this all now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm Peter, joined by Matt, of course. Yo, what's up? And Connor's here. Yeah, yeah. I'm still kicking around. This is our limited series podcast, which we're doing because there's no new comic books. Normally we do comics from the multiverse, which is a DC Comics podcast, but since there's no comic books coming out, uh, we've got this instead. Uh, so we'll talk about any comic books there may be related to things coming back or whatever else, uh, although there wasn't really much this week, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so I didn't get asked for questions this week. We may ask for some questions next week, but I did actually make a quiz for Matt and Carter to uh, go head to head on, and that's kind of our main pop event of the quiz. week. Pop quiz, hot shots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say pop quiz, hot shots. So if I do badly, get my excuse in now. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Before you go further, what are you drinking? That looks this like a is, hurricane. It's a planter's punch. There you go. But with with a, with one one of the ones with grenadine in it because there's you know all sorts yeah. of recipes for that one. Gotcha. So. Looks similar, yeah. Very exciting. Uh, And then much like last week, we'll talk about other stuff we've been doing. Any comics we have been reading the old stuff or other companies, uh, movies, video games. Me and Matt will talk about wrestling for a bit, I'm sure. So, you know, the type of stuff that we're we're doing. Uh, (laughs) There was a WrestleMania and who oh, boy. that's right, yeah. So Matt's got a lot more wrestling talk to do than I do, but... I, it, it'll be quick, Connor, believe me. It's it's not like <laughs> last time where we were catching up. There's, <laughs> outside of maybe three matches, there's not much to talk about. That's how woefully... We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. No, I, I'm, in, I'm in on the Mania side. On the Mania you know? side. Oh, sure, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, that part will be quick. The rest of it, maybe not. But, uh, and then at the end of the show, uh, I've been spreading out my Patreon books. Oh, this is, technically isn't Patreon. This was a tip on a stream because uh, when I do live streams, there's a tip amount to make me read a comic on the podcast. And David likes to, yeah, likes to do this. Uh, so I'll, I'll be t- discussing Flash Forward issue six at the end of the show. So, so he made you read issue six without one through five. Yep. So either that was the nicest thing he could have done, or the worst thing he could have done. <laughs> if, if it was a book that I actually wanted to read, I would have objected and said, no, you can make me read issue one, I will not skip to the end. But with this one, I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, no, I don't think you can object on, on their choosing. That's that's the whole point. If, if you want to go and read the previous issues, and you're, yeah. you know, as, as homework and prep, that's on you. They can negotiate with me before they make their tip. That's always advised. <laughs> Always advised. Uh, Learned as his time turning tricks on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carl, did you read a, a, one of your punishment books? No, because I got in late. And you just, got late. That's fine. I, I made so, a drink instead. You got a couple of weeks. That's fine. Uh, we, we got nothing but time. It's just not like you're going to be rushed next week to read one but or two uh, comics. I've got two books to do. One of which I don't know what that is yet. So. Tyler's concocting his plans. He's thinking of something and it's going to be a good time for me to get caught up on that book, mm. right? It's going to be a big layoff. I'm really, really enjoying Charles Soule's work that I've been reading. He's, I, I'm assuming he's talking about Undiscovered Country here yeah. and not Red Hood. Yeah, of yeah, course. I mean, I, I'd assume so, yeah. 
so yeah, so that's the, that's the plan for the show. Hopefully, you guys liked last week's episode and you'll like this one. And uh, you know, people people seem to be glad that there's still a show on that we're not just taking the time off because I mean, let's face it, we have more time than we usually do. <laughs> so why would we? I here's here's the thing. Also, it helps because I haven't been at work. But I've read more comics, even on our busier weeks, mm-hmm. over the last week since since we last recorded, than I normally would have. And it's been easier. And I don't know if it's because certain books feel like homework and these these are stuff I'm actively wanting to read. I think it's a lot right? like column A, column B. I think so, these are books that you're actively wanting to read. And you want you to read most of the books you read for the show, but there's some that you're kind of yeah. keeping up with for the sake of you know, keeping up with them. Uh, right. But then also the fact that you don't have work is a big I mean, factor. Yeah. Even more than that, it's just that it's not the obligation. Like Even comics that mm-hmm. I enjoy, when I read them for the show, it's like, okay, I have to make sure I yeah. make time to sit down so, and read so, this at this point. Sometimes just something as simple as having a deadline, even though you may yeah. have read it by that time anyway, does just make it feel a little bit more like work than it would have done otherwise. Yeah. Just yeah. a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. But anyway. So, but yeah, so I've, I've read uh, not a ton, but I've read a lot over the last week like and, and quickly too so yeah. well we'll get to yeah. we'll get to comics uh, in a bit i think we'll start with any news that there may be I, honestly there isn't really there wasn't much this week <laughs> and uh, that was the news yeah that was pretty much the news i, I didn't want to bring up one thing though someone on twitter did what is to sort of uh, sort of spread the word sort of signal boost uh, tkos thing uh, obviously it's not dc related but this is a good idea for comic shops uh mm-hmm. so if you go to tko tko the, the company who do the uh, the alternate like uh, formats where you can buy it as single issues or you can buy it as a trade or you can buy it as digital and they do all of that and they'll ship all the English single issues out as one in a little they, box. They release all three versions on the same day as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, basically what they're doing right now is if you go into their website and you buy anything from them, uh, if you tell them what comic store is yours or your favorite comic store is, they will give 50% of the purchase price to that store. Uh, nice. dr- during this time of uh, dire need. So, if you want to support your comic book stores, uh, sort of indirectly as it were, you can do that if you're buying any TKO books anyway. You might as well put in their, their store name. It's not charging you anymore. You're not having to pay anymore. TKO are just offering up half of the cost. And even if you don't have, you know, a store, you know, you you order trades mostly and you don't buy them from a, a comic store, mm. just pick one. Yeah, you might as well put one in. Uh, if you've heard one on a podcast or something, if you know someone else buys from a store, uh, you know, use that store, whatever. You might as well support someone if you're using TKO. Yeah, if, if you don't know, you know, tweet at us and we'll tweet you our stores. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's, uh, that is, uh, so that's that. Uh, that was uh, at McComb Factor who just wanted to... Uh, Sort of us to spread the word there. That's a good idea. I have no objections mm-hmm. to do so. Uh, so uh, that's cool. But that's pretty much the news. There's not a lot of news this week. There was those various rumblings of like, oh, Diamond might announce something soon, or someone might announce something soon. But yeah. as of concrete and, news this week, nothing. And anytime something like this happens, there's there's a very vocal minority that try to say other things, and they try to be the ones that are like, oh no, this is what's really happening. So there's been a lot of like Twitter feuds with a certain group in, in other more mainstream, you know, uh, like people that actually know what's going on. So that's been fun to see. Um, mm. So I, I'm, I'm talking around it just because you don't want oh, to sure. attract, you know, that, yeah. that, that type. <laughs> and I, I think so, we mentioned last week about Jim Lee doing his charity drawings yeah. uh, for, yeah. for comic stores. Uh, so. Rob Liefeld's doing the same now, which, I mean, <laughs> for, all, for all the problems he has, I mean, sure, go for it. From what I hear, he's a very, very nice individual. Like any, any time, like I've been at the con, he's had a line and he takes his time with everybody. I think which is nice. 
fans quite well. I think he yeah. doesn't have great business relations with a lot of the no. people at the companies. But, but the way that I look at that is, I mean, that's as long as you're nice to the fans, you know, like it's it's like it sucks that he has shit relations with with coworkers, but that doesn't impact, you know, my, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, you know, it sounds no, kind of no. super self. Yeah, we we make fun of his art and, and what. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I haven't got a problem with the guy personally. I, no, and I know he only charges to sign uh, New Mutants twenty five because that's you know the Deadpool book and, mm. and whatever. So, but anything else he'll sign. I've never waited in line because I don't personally own much Liefeld. Uh, however, I I do like to hear those stories that he is he's a nice guy and hey any any little bit helps. I don't I'm sure there's people out here that would would you know pay a pretty penny for for a sketch from him you know to auction off. It's not like even. That Jim Lee, I'm not a fan of Doomsday, but his Doomsday he auctioned off this week looked uh, pretty rad. Sure, yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much it. So we'll get into kind of the quiz that I have prepared for Matt and Carr. I don't know if you two want to have a little stake on this to see if... Uh... No, not really, because we uh, don't even know what the quiz is. We yeah. know nothing about it's, this. Uh, we, we are unprepared. It's multiple choice, right? You get four options, right? Um, I will leave... I mean, my, my, my first idea was going to be that you, you could sort of buzz in, as it were, by saying your name. Uh, but I realized that was unfair because Matt's on a slight delay compared to Connor to me, so mm-hmm. they could say their names at the same time and I'd hear Connor first, so that's not fair. So I think what we do is we kind of sort of roll for who goes first and alternate, but if someone gets a question wrong, it'll pass over to the other person uh, and they can have a chance at answering. So, Family feud style. Yeah, so there's four, there's four uh, choices on every question, uh, and, you know, there you go. So there's 20 questions. Is there a theme? Oh, that's DC Comics. Okay. No, that's the deep. Keep it in topic of the the show at large. Uh, this took me a couple of hours to do. Uh, so I think if we do this again, if I make another one, it might not be DC Comics next time. I might just shift to like a movie quiz or something like that uh, to keep keep my options open for question type. Uh, a friend of mine is, you know, his group of friends are all doing like a a quiz soon. Yeah. And they've each been given like a a task, you know, a section like, hey, you come up with uh-huh. you know things for this category. And my friend got given, you know, do just do general knowledge. He goes, how much of a dick would I be if I made every question about military generals? One thing I will say, though, is if people like this ha- this this format for this quarantine sort of run of episodes, um, I am all for people submitting quizzes uh, or stuff like so that for me to do for these two when, guys. By all means. When I can... first started recording with Pete... Uh, he would always bring up QI as like one of his favorite shows. Oh, I love QI. Yeah. And now this is his chance. He's made his own QI. I just realized this. <laughs> so, he wants to be Stephen Fry. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, if you if you do want to make up your own quizzes, you can have themes. You can have I I know a fun one that I've seen another podcast is someone will do it like a like an either or quiz where it'll be like so for us it would be something like is this an alien green lantern or is it uh, a breed of hedgehog and you have to you get two yeah. options and you have to decide which one's which um uh, comedy but used to do uh indian food or star wars character there you go yeah there and you it's go. always one of my favorites because most of the time unless it was a well-known character it was a toss-up so if you do want to submit your own, I'll, I'll arrange again at the end of the quiz, but at mftvquestions at gmail.com is where you can send questions and quizzes and anything you want to send us that we might use on the show. Uh, feel free. Uh, so here we go. Uh, all right, so 20 questions. I, originally, I was going to do 21 because I thought, oh, well, just in case there's a tie, and then I thought, wait a minute, if you both get something wrong, you could end up tying anyway. It's not like everything has yeah. to have a point for someone. So 
whatever. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see who wins. So, are you ready? I'm gonna get my uh, notepad so I can keep track of points here. Yeah. It's exciting. Uh, Connor's like uh, Con- looking at a phone right now. I'm gonna have to ask him to put that away. I don't want any cheating here. I've got another screen here if I really wanted to cheat. <laughs> okay, see, hands up. I want hands up like you've been stuck up the whole time. I actually have a condition that means I can't actually do that. <laughs> no, no. I have a, I have a nerve problem from a repetitive I, strain. So if I hold I, my arm up with it bent for too long... Too much uh, masturbating is what I, I'm I, hearing uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, from, it's just from typing. Um... Uh, but, ah, yeah. yes, taping, yes. Hey, before we recorded, just remember what I said about judges being a frill. <laughs> yeah. A frill species. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll go on your pitch for this, I think, actually. Right, so. Ma versus Connors. Head to head. Winner takes all of nothing. Loser loses all of nothing. Um, so, here we go. Here we go. Let's see. All right. So who, who's loser has to do the Connor for a week. <laughs> who, uh, who, who do we say who's going first? Do, do, just, just, do a, just do a coin toss. Do a coin toss. I don't have a coin. I do have a. You, you have a Google. Oh, Harvey Dent. I do. But no, I've got, I've got to say a D and D dice here. I'll just roll a dice. It's fine. Easy. Fine. Is it D twenty? Even numbers. Who wants even numbers? I'll take odds. You have Connor evens. All right. Yeah. All right, Matt. Even number, Connor. Odd number, Matt. Goes first. It is 19, so Matt is going first. Uh, Alright, so... Why do you have a D20 just sitting there? I, I just have a bag of D&D dice, alright? I've dabbled... Biking. I know! I, I have, I've wanted to get into D&D in the past and it's not happened, but I did prepare at one point for it. Alright? Oh, man. Look, hey, maybe some sort of Skype D&D session at some point, right? Just... Speak to James. He's been trying to set it up for months. I know. It's, hey, just finding, it's finding the time. I, I, I do want to. I, I'd love to and, do some role-playing stuff. And also, but... it's James. He just goes on random Twitter things as if we oh, know, all know what he's talking about. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, Alright. <laughs> Question one. Mm-hmm. All right, so, if Matt gets first the, uh, uh, chance at this, but it will pass over to Connor if Matt gets it wrong. Uh, so, Alright. Question one. Which episode of Batman the Animated Series was Harley Quinn's first appearance? A. The Last Laugh. B. The Laughing Fish. C. Joker's Wild. Or D. Joker's Favor. That's not mad love. (laughs) (laughs) Um, shoot. I don't know, B-Tass, like I used to. B-Tass. What was the first one again? <laughs> because of Beta. Uh, Last Laugh was the first B- one. Last Laugh. Last Laugh, Laughing Fish, Joker's Wild, Joker's Favor. That's your four options. I'm going to go Joker's Wild. That is incorrect. So it will yeah. pass over to Connor. So your options are The Last Laugh, The Laughing Fish, or Joker's Favor. Which one do you think it is? See, the only one that my gut is saying it's not is The Last Laugh. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> that is incorrect. Uh, the correct answer was Joker's Favor. Uh, for the record, all four of those are real episodes. I, I took real yeah. titles for all of them. Uh, but yeah, Joker's Favor was the uh, the first Harley Quinn episode. As soon as he said first Harley Quinn, I went, oh, this mad love. This is easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not there. All right. Uh, also, yeah, if you're keeping track of your own score at home as you go, uh, by all means, tweet at us how, how well you do. Uh, at DC Comics Podcast, of course. All right. Number two for Connor. First dibs. 
Which Green Lantern was assigned to Krypton Sector? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it A, Abinsur, B, Tomare, C, Salak, or D, Tomar 2? God damn it, I knew you were going to do that. Do what? What are you talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I just tried to remember which naming conventions. Uh, yeah. I need to remember, it's B or D. I know that. I'm confident on that much. And I know Matt is as well. And Matt yeah, might I, actually know. I, I know exactly what it is. So I know my Green Lantern. Yeah, he's Superman I'm as well. I'll go with Toma Ray. That's correct. Car gets a point. First point so on the board. Just going forward, you know the difference is two more two. Is the sequel, right? <laughs> Tomar two. Two. Yeah, yeah, Tomar Two. Tomar Two Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, as soon as Pete started the question, I was like, okay, I can picture it. I know which yeah. one it is. And then he put both in there. I was like, God damn it. Yeah, this is multiple choice questioning uh, 101 is you put two I similar knew. answers. As soon as he said Tomar Ray, you go, Tomar Two is coming. Uh, yeah. yeah, I knew it was. I was just uh -huh. hoping that maybe Pete had been stupid. And then if you want to know. Wait, you didn't put who the uh, who the Sinestro Corps Zudarian is, did you? Uh, no. Because that, that's Romat Rue. <laughs> animal choice. Yeah. All right, question three. Matt gets first crack. All right. Which, this is actually quite easy to remember because you're actually the odd numbers because you won. Yeah. So it's actually the odd numbers you get. So the question three. Uh, which of the following rogues appeared first? So first appearance of the rogues. Which one of these was okay. first? Was it A, the Pied Piper, B, Mirror Master, C, Weather Wizard, or D, Captain Boomerang? I can see the Captain Boomerang cover in my head, but I can't tell what the, the date is. <laughs> it's like he's got photographic memory. He's trying to zoom in. He's like, "What's the date on the cover?" I, I actually do that. Like when I, when I used to have like exams at school, I would just visualize the entire page of a textbook and just kind of scan through it in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say Weather Wizard. That is incorrect. I'll go for it, Connor. You can maybe steal this point. I don't know either, so it's a bit of a guess. I'm going to go Pied Piper. That is also incorrect. The correct answer was Mirror Master, who appeared in Flash 105 uh, in February. I think the issues were, they were all listed as like two months, so it was like February slash March. Right. Uh, right. But uh, that was uh, Flash 105. Pied, Pied, Pied Piper was just after that in 106. And then Weather Wizard uh -huh. was 110 in December of 59. These were all 1959. Uh -huh. And then Captain Boomerang yeah. was a year later in 117 in December 1960. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I knew it was 1960, but I couldn't remember. So I know it wasn't Boomerang, but I couldn't remember if it was in a code mm. a month. Uh, so so, so points. Yeah, yeah. 1 0 to Connor right now. Connor 1, Matt 0. Uh, number 4, Connor gets first crack. What is the Penguin's middle name? A. Oh. <laughs> so you know Oswald Cobblepot, of course, is his actual name, right? right? His, so his middle name is it A. Chesterfield, B. Nathaniel, C. Nigel, or D. Theodore. Nigel's too English. Sure, sure. Thought process. Yeah. It's probably that now. I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> Screw oh, it. Let's tension. go with Nigel. 
That is incorrect. Matt, you can steal a point here. Uh, what was B? I know D is Theodore. I know A is Chesterfield. Uh, uh, B was Nathaniel. Nathaniel. See, I feel like you put in Chesterfield because Chester Copperpot from, from Goonies. I'm going to go with Theodore. That's just a good name. That is incorrect. Chesterfield was the right answer. Damn it. It was Chesterfield. <laughs> uh, I was like, what did I know Chester Cobblepot? And I was like, no, that's Chester Copperpot. At least he a made it the farthest. At least a couple of those names I took from like, other relatives of them. Because in like, the wiki, there was like, grandfather right. was like Theodore uh, Cobblepot. Like, right. I'll take that as a potential answer. Well, you got to remember that, that he is a family of Gotham. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, he uh, can't be that English, no. Yeah, so still 1-0 right now. Damn it. Uh, after four questions. Number five. Matt gets first crack. In Batgirl Year One, which... Oh. <laughs> He's not famously read. Famously haven't read. <laughs> <laughs> which... Hey, this is why I, I, mean, I let it be random who gets what questions, because I don't want to... No, I know, I know, yeah. I know. Right. In Batgirl Year One, which female hero does Barbara get to team up with? Which female hero does Barbara get to team up with in Bat- Batgirl Year One? Is it A, Supergirl? B... Hot Girl, C, Zatanna, or D, Black Canary? So, my brain immediately went to Canary, so that's what I'm going to go with and not overthink this. One point to Matt, he's right, it's Black yeah, Canary. Because okay. the Gotham connection. There you go. And then he said Zatanna, and I started, I was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> you're going to think yourself into a, a well, loss. This is the beauty of multiple choice, even though you've not read it. You had a one in four shot. You could take a, you could take a go. Well, and, and again, uh, the Birds of Prey connection, that was written, uh, Batgirl year one was written by Chuck Dixon, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's a thought process. It makes sense. All right. Question six. Connor gets first crack. In New Fifty Two Action Comics, what what is Clark's landlady called? Is it A, Mrs. Wixley, B, Mrs. Bigsley, C, Mrs. Nixley, or D, Mrs. Plixley? So that's Wixley, Bigsley, Nixley, or Plixley. Winking, blinking, and nod. A. It's a power of what they all were. So I'm taking a random guess. You go for Mrs. Wixley. That is incorrect. Matt, you can have a chance of stealing here. Uh, C. Nixley. Nixley's correct. Matt is suddenly in the lead. 2 1. 2 1 to Matt. He stole one. Look at that. Well, and I remember that because it was close to Mixie. Mm-hmm. Right, and then with the way that plays out, it all makes sense. Yeah. All right. Question number seven. Magnet's first crack. In the Dark Knight, what does Bruce interfere with to create an alibi for Hong Kong? Is it A, a Russian opera? B, a Russian ballet? C, a Russian festival? Or D, a Russian symphony? It was B because he's on the yacht with the ballerinas. Magus a point! 3 1! That was such an easy one. Uh, That was probably the easiest question yet. And it's in the yeah, and it's in the newspaper that the ballet is in town. (laughs) He's had a he he had a couple of tough questions. He he deserved the easy one. Not that I'm not that I'm picking. These are just in the order I put them in. Uh, All right, number eight. Connor gets first crack. Go get this one, Connor. Connor gets first crack here. In New Teen Titans issue one, who first encounters Starfire? I definitely haven't read. Who first encounters Starfire? Is it A, Beast Boy, 
B, Joseph Wilson, C, Raven, or D, Grant Wilson? Bum bum. Bum D. bum. What was that? <laughs> D. D. Grant Wilson's correct. Connor goes up to two points. Good. There we go. There we go. There we go. See? Wasn't, wasn't that bad? All right, number nine. Back over to Matt. Guess first crack. Who did Aquaman have to regain control of Atlantis from in Abnett's run? Was it A, Coram Wrath, B, Coram Reef, C, Coram Roth, or D, Coram Rife? It was Wrath A. That is correct. Again, the easy one again. Nice, <laughs> nice recent thing that we that we all covered on the show. <laughs> I think about a few and, recent and things then. Memorable because of that really shit issue with, with, around that theory. <laughs> That's true. All right, number and, ten. Um, it really leaned into the wrath aspect. Yeah. Of his rule. So. All right, number ten. Corey gets first crack. In the long Halloween, who is Harvey Dent's wife? Is it A. Gilda, B. Rachel, Rachel, uh, C. Grace, or D. Holly? I've not read this in a few years. Whenever, whenever me and Pete covered it for for Patreon, mm-hmm. um, so bit of a guess here. I'll I'll go with Grace. That is incorrect. Mask get a chance to steal a point here. And I'm going to because it's a Gilda. Gilda's correct. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Matt is now. And she might be the holiday killer, but we don't know. <laughs> it's Matt... been a while. Matt is at five points. Connor is at two. As we're halfway through. <laughs> Um, number 11, Matt gets first. If this is another easy one, then I, <laughs> I swear you've just ordered this badly. <laughs> I'll tell you this right now. This this one favors Connor uh, before I even say it's it. It's Constantine then. No. According to Alan Tudyk's Mr. Nobody, what brought, oh, a few, what brought a few viewers back for episode two of Doom Patrol? Is it A, a kaiju-sized rat named Admiral Whiskers? B, an army of walking bucks? C, a farting donkey, or D, a man eating a beard? The only one that sounds like something that you guys have talked about is A, Mr. Whiskers. Is that your answer? Yeah, A. That is incorrect. Connor, uh, you got a chance. Um, pretty sure it's the farting donkey. It is indeed the farting donkey. That's a point to Connor. Yeah, uh, it is worth mentioning for Matt's sake, though. All four of those things do happen mm-hmm. in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember you guys. Yeah, I just remember you guys talking about Mr. Whiskers at one point. Admiral Whiskers. Uh, Admiral, whatever. Yes, it was. Admiral. Do, yes. Do that respect. All right. Uh, Carter's up next. Number of twelve. In Johnsy's Green Lantern run, what is Cowgirl's actual name? <laughs> <laughs> is it A. Jillian Perlman, B. Julie Peterson, C. Judy Palmer? Or D, Jess Perkins. God, when was the last time Cowgirl showed up? <laughs> um, I'm going to let you do this because I know the answer to that. Because <laughs> you want a thing. Uh, B. Julie Peterson is incorrect. Matt, do you want to steal uh, a point? Yeah, it, it's A. It's Jillian. How did you know this was Jillian Perlman? How did you know that? Because I remember it was Jillian, so when you started saying Jilly, I was like, no, it's Jillian. Okay. Um, and the last time she showed up was in Morrison's in the first issue. She did, but I don't recall. Her. Did they yeah. use her actual name, or did they just call her Cowgirl? No, they call her Cowgirl. Yeah, yeah see, that's what, I, that's what I thought. Yeah. 
Hence the difficulty of the question. All right, we're back over to Matt. GL. For number 13. Okay. Who was the proposed villain for Joel Schumacher's Batman Triumphant? Was it A? That's the one after Batman and Robin, right? Yeah, the one that never get made. Yeah. Yep, yep, uh, okay. So was it A, Raz Al Ghul, B, Scarecrow, C, Killer Croc, or D, Hugo Strange? It was Scarecrow. That's B. correct. Matt takes a point. Yeah. Matt takes a point. All right, back over to Because he said he was going to get super trippy with it. And I was like, I don't want that from Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I that. That's why it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is one that actually would have favoured Matt. So, Connor, you've got a chance to sort of take one from him. Okay, number 14. Which of these is not, I repeat, is not a location on Krypton? <laughs> right? Christ. A, Lurvan. B, Plain of Winan. C, Xanthel City or D Eureka Matt you know the answer to this one I'm not giving that away yet <laughs> I don't leave you false self-confidence <laughs> it's a total guess from me regardless yeah. so yeah, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just intrigued of how disappointed I should be when I get it wrong uh, so uh, that was Lurvan, Plain of Winan, Xanthel City and Eureka A that is not the correct answer. Lurvan is a continent on Krypton. Matt? I feel like Eureka is a thing because it wouldn't be a thing. Therefore, I, I read that one out as well. Yeah. Like, it's too normal a word that, that we're right. familiar with. I, mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I can see it in my head on a map of Krypton. So I'm going to say B, the planes. The Plain of Banan. That is incorrect as well. That yeah. is a, a desolate area outside Kandor. Yeah. Uh, Eureka is a place as well. That is a continent yeah. as well. So uh, Xanthel City is not a real place. However, uh, Zan City is. Uh, yeah. So. There you go. I think, yeah, we, we I both, remember Eureka. We both ruled out Eureka for the right reason. Yeah. yeah. And then took a total guess with the others. Yeah. yeah. It is spelled differently. So let's spell it the word Eureka. But it's, right. yeah, that's what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, number 15. Back over to Matt for first crack. Who voiced Selena Kyle in Batman Year One? Oh, or I'll, I'll phrase this more specifically: Which actress from the hit television show *Buffy the Vampire right. Slayer* voiced right. Selena Kyle in Batman Year One? Was it A. Eliza Dushku, B. Charisma Carpenter, C. Emma Caulfield, or D. Michelle Trachtenberg? The only one that I—is Dushku still even working? Yeah, she was on a TV show like last year. Was she? Uh, she would make a good Catwoman voice. Uh, but I'm going to go with Caulfield. That is incorrect, Matt. Connor's um, got a chance to steal, sorry. I, I don't know either. And I'm going to go with Dushka as well, just because she's the, the obvious choice out of the group. Dushka's correct. You get a point. Yep. Damn it. See, I overthought it. Yeah. Uh, so that was question 15. So we got five questions left. Uh, right now we're on Matt with seven points and Connor with four. So and you can still make a comeback. Yeah, you, you got a chance. You got a chance. So number sixteen, Car gets first crack. Which of the lantern oaths features the line "With strong hearts full, our souls ignite"? Is it a ultraviolet? And there is there's one for all. He's actually looked these all yeah. up. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a ultraviolet? B blue, C star star starfire, or D phantom lantern? Give me, give me the line again. With strong hearts full, our souls ignite. Star Sapphire. That is incorrect. 
Matt, do you want to steal this? I feel uh, initially I thought it was blue. But I can't remember the Phantom Lantern Oath whatsoever. I do remember reading it, right? Because that was under Humphrey's Green Lanterns, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the Ultra. But the whole Phantom Lantern thing was he could touch into all of them. So I'll go Phantom Lanterns. That is incorrect. It was, in fact, blue. Here's the full. Blue. Full oath here. In fearful day and raging night, with strong hearts full, our souls ignite. When all seems right. lost and the war of light, look to the stars for hope burns bright. That's the. Full I will say it's interesting right. that I think both me and Matt had blue as the second choice. That oh, it mm. could have been that. Yeah, that was the one I See, considered. I just, the ones I remember are are red, because it, you know it's it's super metal mm-hmm. and yeah. like goth. And then I remember orange because essentially it's just mine. Uh, yellow is almost an inverse of, of green, and I remember green. I wrote green into my wedding vows, so everyone, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I know everyone one. knows green. <laughs> yeah, green's the easy like, one. I know that one from off my heart. All right, yeah. uh, number seventeen. This is back over to Matt and the Superboy TV show. Which mm-hmm. college did Clark attend? Was it A. Mm-hmm. Schuster College? B, Siegel College, C, Crypto College, or D, the College of Tomorrow? Oof. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, it is of that era. Obviously, they're all fictional, right? They had a fictional college in the show. You don't say. (laughs) College of Tomorrow reeks of bad 80s. Toast. There's no way Crypto College would have been a real thing. But Schuster or Siegel. But I'm going to go with D. It's College of Tomorrow. That is incorrect. I made that one up. <laughs> I'm proud of that one. Uh, Connor, what's the way to try? <laughs> See, I kind of agreed with Matt that it's yeah. maybe Schuster or Siegel, right? Mm-hmm. That, that would make sense. But because I don't want to pick between them, I'm going to go with C. You go with crypto. That is incorrect. I'll tell you, I, I, this question became a thing because I was just looking at wiki pages for random DC things. And when I landed on the Superboy TV page, it just happened to mention the paragraph. Oh, Clark goes to this college. I went, oh, that is a question. The, uh, that, that, that college is the answer to your question. It was, in fact, Schuster College uh, yeah. was the answer. So uh, so we're still on uh, seven to four in terms of points. Uh, I don't think... Connor can win there, but you can, we can see how far yeah, you can, yeah, let's see how far he claws back. Uh, number 18, so Connor gets first crack. Uh, mm-hmm. Which of these is not, I repeat, is not a sports team in DC Comics? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Is that a question meant for me? Yeah. So, is it A, the Gotham Goliaths, B, Metropolis Metros, C, the Midway Braves, or D, the Star City Stars? Which of these is not a sports team in DC Comics? I think the answer is either C or D. Mm -hmm. Midway Braves. I'll go with D. I'd like to think Star City has a bit more respect for itself. (laughs) That is incorrect. There is, in fact, a team called the Star City Stars. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you actually know that, Matt? Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're they're baseball team. He's he's mocked up. They're in the West. Baseball caps of all of these. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, they're uh, they're uh, in the West Conference. 
All right, Matt, what's your answer then? You get a chance. It's C, the Midway Braves. Yeah, I made that one up. Uh, I actually wanted to do a... a, The question was originally going to be which, you know, which sport does this, you know, this this, this or that team play, right? But when I looked these all up, all of them have all been used for multiple sports. In fact, Gotham Goliaths have literally been baseball, football, basketball, and hockey. They've been all four. So, okay, in that case, I'll, I'll do a different question, but... That was that what it was supposed yeah, to be I was originally. Say, I I know them as that because I equate them with the Giants, right? Mm. The, of of baseball. So um, yeah, but yeah, but we all know the real the real money team is the Metropolis Mammoths. Sure. The, uh, the, the first two there, I was confident were real. I've, I've read these yeah. with those. The the Metros are a baseball team, if I remember right. Um, usually, I, I think they're um, multiple, but yeah, baseball was one of them. I do, I do know on on Smallville they were the Sharks, and I thought that was lame. The Metropolis Sharks and Jeff Johns was the star running back, <laughs> Teflon tailback. Matt retains some of the weirdest knowledge. Uh, number nineteen, Matt gets first crack at this. Uh, uh, what was Wonder Woman almost called? Was it A. Yeah. Superwoman, B. Suprema, C. Super She, or D. Super doll. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust Master enough that it wasn't D. Yeah, me either. Knowing the history of who Diana was, I actually forgot to uh, bold this. What one was the right answer? Luckily, I remember it because uh, it was memorable. So, <laughs> this, uh, looking up this question was very memorable because I was surprised that this this I, was a thing. Uh, did anyone watch that? That um. Master biopic. Nah, I never saw it. No, I should. I did. It was, I did. It was pretty. It was pretty solid. Yeah. Who plays Marsters? It's someone. Is it? It's not Patrick Wilson, is it? No. I can't remember. I don't think so. No. Oh. Uh, I, don't oh, I can't it, look it up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was Nicholas Holt, but it was someone like Nicholas, like Nicholas Holt, I think, in build. Okay. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna say Super She or, or C, whatever, whatever C was. It wasn't Super She. Carl, you've got a chance to steal it. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go Suprema. Suprema was the right answer. Connor gets a point. When so, you said it was memorable, I thought you meant memorable as in bad. Although Suprema would have worked. I think it's memorable because it's so different from the other answers. Mm. The, the Suprema. So um, that actually takes us to the final question. Connor gets first crack. Number twenty. Where was Jason Todd conceived? <laughs> Why did I get this question? Did you just swap this in for me? No, no, this was always going to be the last question to be Justin Todd related. Uh, So, was it A, an alley, B, a bar, C, a car, or D, a brothel? (laughs) All of the above. (laughs) (laughs) He was a street kid. (laughs) <laughs> yeah they had, a, they had a wild night and could could you know could have been any of those um, <laughs> the parents don't actually know uh, i'll i'll go with a, a car because I, I don't know i think that that's thematically ties in more with jason with him you know stealing the, the tires that is incorrect matt you've got a chance to steal one more point so, so what were a and b again an alley and a bar i'll go an alley Ali's correct, so Matt gets one final point. Uh, so the final score of that quiz was nine points to Matt and five points to Connor. So Matt decisively won, but uh, there you go. There you go. Wasn't that fun? I thought that was fun. Uh, I was not drunk enough for this. Yeah, maybe maybe we should have had some steaks, though. Like the loser had to do something. 
Uh, make it more exciting. You only think that because you're not taking part. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> but I did all the work putting it together. I, I get to be exempt of the stakes. That's the beauty of it. Um, yeah, no, I, I laughed though because I read the wiki page or the DC wiki page for Jason looking for a bit of trivia that I could use as a question. And it said that he was uh, unexpectedly conceived in an alleyway. I'm like, unexpectedly? What's that mean? <laughs> unexpectedly. Um, anyway, that, that was the quiz. Matt's the victor uh, for this one. Uh, so, yes. Feel free to send in your own quizzes. MFTVquestions at gmail.com. Um, and I will play the quiz master once more. Uh, we can have some fun with that. But, uh, yeah. So, there we go. That is that. Uh, so, we'll move on to talking about just, you know, random stuff that we've been doing this week uh, and the various media, uh, you know, packages that we consume um i suppose we'll start with some movies uh, since that's obviously a fairly common one uh matt have you got uh, uh, yeah. what have you been watching give us one yeah i mean let me consult because i've watched a lot not, not a lot a lot but um enough enough to yeah um so i'll start with the with the best of these and then funnily enough it's gonna be so on brand uh, but I watched a surf documentary about uh, my favorite surfer in high school, uh, Andy Irons, who was a white kid from from uh, Kauai and the Hawaiian Islands. Never should have been as good as he was, but for whatever reason, you know, he had this run where he won three years in a row. And I remember uh, he he passed away in 2010, and I remember reading about it and thinking, oh, that's unfortunate. Um, and and it was reported he died of dengue fever. Which like, oh, wow. I mean, he must have, how does one get that? Come to find out, all this time of me being a fan of him, I didn't realize he had a drug problem and, and an addiction uh, issue uh, compounded by a bipolar disorder. So this, this documentary goes in heavy on those. Uh, it was produced by Chris Hemsworth, which I thought was weird, so which then led me to find out that Chris Hemsworth is a really good surfer. Like, I don't know if he could have gone pro, but had the acting thing not worked out, I think uh, I think that's just called yeah, being Australian. I think so too. But so so I looked up Chris Hemsworth's uh, background, and yes, he did grow up in, in a beach town, but it alternated between that and the outback on a cattle ranch. So like, <laughs> the two the only two kinds of Australians in existence. And he's right, both. he's both. So, um, but yeah, so. It was a story that I, I thought I knew so much about, and it gets into his his career and his early life, um, and it really focuses on his competition. And he's the only, as of the when the movie came out in 2018, he was the only surfer to actually win at each one of the stops on the surfing tour. Uh, and he won, I think, three Triple Crowns and the, the championship three years in a row. So it was pretty, you know, he'll go down as one of the, one of the best. I mean, it's not Kelly Slater with his 11, you know, titles or whatnot, but he does have a win at each, you know, stop, which is pretty, I don't think there's too many. Um, although, what do you guys know about surfing? I could lie. You guys wouldn't even know. I, I don't um, know a single word you've just said, basically. Yeah, that, that's okay. But it was really good. I remember my mother-in-law going, what's this? She came downstairs and I explained it to her. And I explained how I thought he died. She goes, well, that's sad. Why are you, you going to do that? You don't like sad things. I was like, you're right. Why am I going to do this? And I and I thought. Um, but no, it was really good. It's, it's on Hulu for, for those that might. It's called Annie Irons, Kissed by God. Um, and it's, you know, full of real nice-looking surf footage as well. You know, um, stuff that's almost mystifying. Like, 
like shots I think that they took for the movie of, of like the waves from underneath, which is uh, which is always cool. So there's some a lot of fun uh, photography going on. But yeah, um, I think as weird as it sounds, the what I learned most of this is that Chris Hemsworth is actually a pretty good surfer, which shouldn't come as a surprise. He has Thor after all. But but yeah. All right, Carl, you go. What would you want to throw out there? Uh, I'll start with. So, so, so some things that were really good, and one thing that was really bad. But I'll start with an actual good one, uh, which was um, Mustang. This is a Turkish movie from 2015, and it is essentially a, it's a it's a coming of age story. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've been describing it after I've seen it as oh, it's it's Turkish little women, um, and I mean that in a good way. Um, it's about these uh, five sisters, um, you know, who are ranging you know in ages from you know like okay about to leave school like they're they're, they're maybe 16 17 18 sort of point down to maybe 10 to 12 uh and they're so they're all in that range and it starts it's you know the the last day of school before the the summer break um and they afterwards they go down to the beach and they're they're playing with a you know there's some guys in the class and they're doing the thing where you know you get on the the shoulders and do the, the wrestling they're in the sea doing that and a family friend, someone in the community, sees them doing this and reports it to their their their, their grandmother. I think it is who who they live with because their their parents are dead, so they live with like their grandmother and their, their aunt and uncle. And they get home and and she just starts you know like like beating them and they don't know what's going on and they don't understand you know what they're being punished for. Uh, basically, they 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 the way it was reported is that they were getting themselves off on the on the boys' necks, and it's, like, extremely obscene, and this is an extremely conservative uh, family that, that that they're in. And then, basically, from that point on, they are kind of put under house arrest, and that that is it. Uh, and uh, the, the rest of the movie is it, them kind of trying to rebel, uh, you know, the, the family trying to marry off the older girls one by one, going through this, seeing how they react in different ways, the, the actual rebellion... Uh, the way they push the boundaries and try and get back, and you know the, the escalation on the on the, you know, the the uncle more specifically is is kind of the the villain of the piece, uh, so to speak. Um, but it's it's really good, um, uh, very funny at times as well, though. Uh, yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. Interesting, interesting. Uh, first one I'll talk about is uh, not a good movie. <laughs> it was one that you know was streaming on I think Monday night. Uh, and it was like, oh, let's just pick a random thing on Amazon that we've never heard of to, to watch. And I picked a movie from 1987 called Nightstick. Yeah. I love it already. And the poster, like, you know, made it look like it was going to be this you know, dark action movie and this guy's out for vengeance or, or whatever. And this, you know, the renegade cop has to go after the bad guy. Uh, it turned out to be a TV movie that was made in Canada in 1987 and is really, really dull. And I think what surprised us is that not only is it not entertaining or exciting, but he's the exact opposite of every like cop in like a, a movie like this ever. You know how they're always like, oh, they, they can't solve the case until they turn their badge or they do things off the book and they they they, 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 they go after the bad guys and beat them up. Uh, they, you know, they're, they're you know they're a loose cannon, right? That type of character. He's the opposite. Everything's really by the book, and he he's really dull and uninteresting and. It just goes about going about his job, and it's really and there's a couple of random stars in it. Uh, two of the superiors who have no bearing on the movie whatsoever, but they show up for multiple scenes. Uh, Robert Vaughn for a DC Comics connection because uh, he was the villain in Superman Three. It's just a case you wonder who that is. He's in there, mm-hmm. and then his direct boss is Leslie Nielsen, and 
So, so first of all, you're waiting for him to crack jokes, but he doesn't. Because, you know, he's Leslie Nielsen. You're like, oh, where's the comedy yeah. coming? Where's the naked gun jokes coming? Right. People forget that up until um, Airplane and the Police Squad show, he was a serious actor. Um, but the, if you go look at his credits, it wasn't until they found out he was really good at comedy and they put him on Police Squad and the naked gun. Um, yeah, it's hard, to, yeah. it's hard to take him seriously because you sort of yeah. hear the jokey you're voice uh, from yeah. him the whole time. Yeah. Uh, what was most miraculous about this though is that every almost every scene he was in he was eating uh literally the second scene he's in with like the the main cop they're at like a chinese restaurant and they've just got like a a table of food and he's got his mouth full as he's talking the entire scene and all i could fathom is that he's like yeah i'll do this movie if if you want but i want to be well fed every single time i'm on set yeah so he's eating all the time (laughs) that's called pulling a brad pitt because if you notice brad pitt eats and a lot because he knows that it gives him something to do you know, uh, so go look at him as Rusty Ryan in the Oceans movies. He always has food. Like there's like one or two scenes in those movies where he's not holding some kind of food item. Um, oh, but no, but this but, is like no, his mouth is full from like eating a meal. Oh, like he's, he's you know, he's like, um, yeah, ah, oh, yeah, that wow. would do that. Yeah, hundred hundred bombers because it's just these guys who have stolen uh, bomb supplies from various places and yeah. it's supposed to be tense because there's going to be an explosion, but it's not. Right, it was dull it as sounds shit. Sounds like reverse hot fuzz. Right, it was. <laughs> it was. It was terrible. Just don't waste your time. It was. It was. It was a main numbing experience. I do not recommend it. That's Night Stick from nineteen eighty seven. Matt, I thought another one. Um. So I watched uh, Greenberg, which is a Noah Baumbach movie. Yeah, I've seen um, this after one. After Marriage Story. Yeah. Uh, turned out I, I wasn't a fan of this one. It was a little bit too mumblecore for me uh, compared to the other two Baumbach movies that I have seen. Uh, while we're young in marriage story um just kind of a lot of long shots of people not doing much of anything and then really low-key conversations and uh, ben stiller's character to me was unlikable and not in the fun larry david way where you're like look at this crazy guy you know um just like and i understand his character has mental illness and this is not on stiller's performance i think stiller does exactly what's necessary and he's very good at it but like, it was just very hard for me to watch. Um, outside of of, uh, of uh, Greta, I'm drawing a blank. Help me out, Connor. Get Get awake. There we go. <laughs> I've not seen she's, the movie. I just took a stab at who you were talking yeah, about here. She's she's really good in it. Like, um, I think this is the first time I've seen her in a movie. Like out of this, I know she was in House of the Devil, but she has a super super tiny role in that. Um, so Shigama's no surprise. She's a very good director, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, I just was not a fan of this one. I, I came in, maybe my expectations were too high. Uh, it's still a well-crafted movie. I just, the story, I did not connect to at all. Although I do, um, I got a surprise Brie Larson appearance there toward, towards the end. Always good. And they're, yeah, always, always good. And then, uh, <sighs> So, so the main story is they, they, Ben Stiller is this, as uh, the brother to Chris Messina, who's going out of town. So he brings his brother in from from New York, where he lives, back to L.A., where he's from, um, to watch the dog and keep an eye on the house, but also to build a dog house. The dog ends up getting sick, so now he has to start actually caring for this dog. So there's a scene where 
you know, a party ends up raging at this house and he starts to actually care about the dog more than anything else that he has up to this point. So that, that's a real nice, you know, he has changed, but yeah, it was just real hard for me to get through. It was only like 103 minutes, but it felt twice as long for me. Yeah. I, um, I wasn't super into it because I watched this a couple of years after I saw uh, The Squid and the Whale, which is a bomb back movie yeah. I really like. Uh, I should have watched that one because that one's on Prime right now. And mm. it was this on HBO or that on Prime. I went with this one. And, um, I, and I think it's I think it's sorted me on him and th- thinking that he's a one trick pony because I didn't like Green, Greenberg that much, but mm-hmm. like so obviously everyone's been saying the Prisoners of Marriage story. I still need to watch yep. it. It'll happen. But I I think you'd like While We're Young as well because mm. Ben Stiller's almost the opposite in that one as he is here. He's a very likable guy that's just kind of at his wits end as a documentary filmmaker because taste is changing so much that he doesn't know how to keep up. Um, and he's trying to maintain relevance. So um, Here I like that one a lot. There's a lot of good things said about uh, Francis Ha as well. That yeah. that's another one I need to that's, I need to track that down. That was the one because I think that that's the one he, he did with uh, with Gerwig as well. Right. Uh, this, that was she, a follow-up she, to this one. Yeah, I think she wrote uh, the script for that one. I don't know about yeah. uh, Greenberg, um, but yeah. uh, that one's really well regarded. Uh, I know I know some people think that is best by far, including yeah. Marriage Story. Um, Interesting. But yeah, there there was. So and, and Mumblecore, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that brand of filmmaking, but it came out in the mid 2000s, like 20, 2010-ish, and it was all really lo-fi filmmaking. Like the actors would just show up in the clothes they were wearing, and it was all just very like not quite cinema verite because they're still shot set oh, up. Matt, you make <laughs> slowly creeping in. But yeah, but there's there's been good versions of it i've seen like there's one called drinking buddies with jake johnson and olivia wilde ron livingston and, and anna kendrick that That's, sounds like my soul movie it's yeah and it's it's basically about the relationship of those four and how they interconnect like um i think olivia wilde and jake johnson are are exes and it, it's it's all very messy in the relationships but it's all it's actually like one of the realest like friend group movies i've seen and then Jake Johnson did another one called Digging for Fire, where he's – it's almost like Greenberg. Like, they share a lot that he's watching a house, and he ends up finding, like, this artifact in the backyard. And it ends up becoming, like, his, you know, his obsession where it starts to cause problems with his wife. Because he's like, you're supposed to be working. He's like, no, I am working. This is my new job. Um, and, th- and that one was – that was another one that I just thought was executed better. Maybe Bombox not the type to do that because Marriage Story in – and uh, and and while we're young, they're both they're not they're not snappy, but there's a lot more going on from scene to scene mm. than I felt that was in, in this one. So you know, I just I, I'm kind of bummed out because I do like all the creatives involved in this one. Um, Maybe he tried something different and it didn't quite. Yeah, land and, and, and it didn't quite land. But what he knew, I do. I, I have a friend that he always surprises me because like he loves the biggest stupidest action movies, but then he's also a really big fan of Kenneth Branagh's Shakespearean stuff. So it always just throws me. And he loved Francis Ha. That was like his top movie the year it came out. So it's been on my radar for a little bit, but I just, I thought I didn't like Bombach, right? Because I just, I tried to watch Greenberg years ago and it just didn't land. Um, but but now, you know, I don't know if ch- taste change or whatever. But but yeah, kind of bummed out that it didn't work out. That's all. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, got another one, Connor? Oh, I, I can give you a big stupid action movie that's uh, not go. very good. Bloodshot. 
Oh, <laughs> I saw your drunk tweets and then they kind of disappeared. I got so bored I... of the movie. It's that yeah, dull. It's not even it's... like it's not even like horrifically outrageously bad enough to you know, really get into the the, the tweeting it, of it. It's just aggressively like, mediocre. This is really boring. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, it was gonna good. break the box office. Box office though. Yeah. Remember? It's it's. Yeah, you know, if if they, if it had one more week, highest grossing movie of the year, I'm telling you. <laughs> That's a shame. So was it at least like, was it too boring action movie? Like if that makes sense, like like not even fun. So like, say what you will about the fast movies, they're big and dumb, but they know exactly what they are. No, and this they was much more serious. Try. Or it, yeah. it took itself more serious. I don't want to yeah. say it's serious. Um, yeah, uh, if you're not familiar with the premise of Bloodshot, it's uh. So it's a soldier who basically died mm-hmm. and then is brought back to life with nanites that then heal him. Uh, and, and that's kind of the idea is he's got like a regenerative power sort of thing. It's technological but, spawn. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the twist, however, is he's basically he's he's still owned by like the, the US government, the army, and they kind of mind wipe him after every mission. Um, and they don't actually send him on missions. They kind of when they wake him up, they tell him. Hey, so, you know, we only use unclaimed bodies. And he goes, but my wife. And they're like, well, some bad news about that. This guy kind of killed her. And they send him, and they're like, you want to go get revenge? Go on then, go get revenge. And, and basically just like, let him go kill the guy that they want killing. And then bring him back and do the whole thing again. And so the first like half an hour of the movie is this loop. And it just goes on far too long. And it's boring. And the action's not particularly exciting to watch. Uh, it's a real pro. It gets it gets marginally more interesting once he kind of okay when you get to the point that he realizes he's in this loop and you know he's being lied to. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just it's just dull. Like the, the action's not that fun to watch. There's, it doesn't do anything inventive with with anything that it could do. It's just it's just yeah, it's it's a it's, it's a it's a boring action movie, which is is worse than a bad action movie. Yeah, man. Uh, so I'm reading it right now about the movie, and the director I don't recognize. Like, he doesn't even have a wiki page. Like, you can't even click on him. But Stalinsky and Leach are supposed to direct it. And could you imagine yeah. if those two, the, the, the guys that gave us John Wick and then Atomic Blonde and, you know, all these other spinoffs that are at least fun to watch. Good. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. lot of movies in that style that, even when they don't land... Uh, yeah. Or I told like Anna was one from last yeah. year. Well, uh, that was uh, what's his name, the Fifth Element guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was very much a hey here's here's, right. here's me doing John Wick, uh, right. essentially, and it was it was an okay movie. It wasn't bad. It was, uh, but I mean the the action looked good. I'll give it that. Yeah. Like that, that action looked fun. Uh, it was it was way more fun to watch than Bloodshot was. If, if you've got the choice between them, and, and they're right. your only two choices, go watch Anna. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I'm saying there, I guess. Yeah, or get better choices, I suppose, is also another valid option. Uh, that too. I'll, I'll change gears. Uh, I watched a, a, a classic. I watched In a Lonely Place from 1950. It's a Humphrey Bogart movie uh, directed by Nicholas Ray. And he plays this uh, screenwriter who's got a temper. He's kind of acts out and he might be violent. And he takes this this young girl to his place and it's, it's just to help him because uh, he's meant to adapt this book. He doesn't want to read it. So he brings her over because she's read the book so she can tell him what happened in it. And 
so that happens, and he's got a bit of a temper and whatever, but he kind of says, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go to bed now, go away. And he doesn't, like, walk her to a taxi or call her a cab. He just says, oh, there's a, there's a taxi rank around the corner, off you go. Uh, and the girl turns up dead. And the police obviously question him. And his neighbour, who doesn't really know, but she saw her leave, so it kind of acts as his alibi as best as he can. And after she does that, they kind of, like, spark up a, a romance together and she kind of falls for him but the movie kind of becomes like okay but he does have a temper like it is you know it starts to feel less and less you know unlikely that he you know he could kill someone like he might be able to do that like he may have that in him so the movie's kind of about her kind of slowly starting to sort of like doubt herself and worry that she might be in danger uh and so on it's got it's got a really good uh dramatic point when it ends which i quite liked um i didn't like it as much as nicholas ray's other film that i saw bigger than life which was a little bit later in the 50s uh, i thought that was a much more interesting film about a dad who uh, uh he goes on on uh, medication because he's he, he has mental health issues uh that that one i thought was a, a really poignant film for its time this does have some poignant beats uh but it doesn't necessarily stick out as being exceptional but it's just not a bad watch by any means bogart's good in it uh you know, it was quite ninety minutes as well. So that's in a lonely place. I thought that was that was not bad. Uh, I didn't realize that Bogey was born in eighteen ninety nine. Sure. Like, <laughs> like I I just don't think about that because I always think of him as, you know, not that he's immortal. You know, well, but like I mean, it makes sense. We think about it, Matt. Yeah. Given our age, there's going to be people. You know, when we are in like sixties, seventies, oh, yeah. they're going to be like, "Wait, you were born in the the previous century? Whoa!" Like. Well, I know that, but just like so, like I know Walt Disney was born in 1901, right? That checks out. But Bogart, who's two years older, being in, in 99, they're contemporaries. It just seems I don't know. It just I, I wouldn't have thought that they, they feel like they're all of different eras. Is what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's just it's weird. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was from 1950. Matt, what else you got? Um, movie wise, what else did I watch? You can lump a few together if you phone. if you just want to. What's that? You can lump a few together if you want to just sort of fire through. A yeah, couple. yeah, yeah. Um, I did rewatch. Oh, I watched a, a Disney sports movie, which I'm always a sucker for. This one's Glory Road. Um, it's from the same era as like Remember the Titans, which I'm a huge fan of. However saccharine that movie is, it just hits. Uh, Glory Road's about the 1966 uh, um, Western Texas University team that was the first to have all African-American players in the starting lineup. Um, and it goes to the exact places that you'll think, and it's not that interesting. But, like, Disney was on a run from, like, 2000 to 2007 with these type of movies. Um, like, you had Miracle in there. You had The Rookie. And they all kind of hit. This one just – I don't know if I'm not a basketball guy or if the story's not there. Um, I mean, it's a fine story, but the movie didn't do much. But I, I was surprised that Makad Brooks, who's Jimmy Olsen on Supergirl, oh. is one of the guys on the team. And then um, Sam Jones III, who is Pete uh, on Smallville, Pete Ross, he's also on the team. So I thought that was pretty funny that two of the guys that bound Superman or, or Super TV shows were both in this movie. That was amazing. Um, yeah, I, I rewatched Good Boys, which was on my top 10 list. So if people <laughs> want to go research that. Um, Still ass hilarious. Still Stephen Merchant. I stand by everything I said. And that anytime Stephen Merchant shows up in a movie from 2019, um, it's going to be worth worth that. And I also rewatched Crawl, which was also on my list. Holy crap, the movie's so fun. Uh, uh, I watched it with my wife, who was worried about the dog. 
the entire time. So, <laughs> I just, yeah. I love that Matt had both a surfing documentary and a sports movie in the same yeah. week. He's just, he's, and and his uh his monster movie slot from the year as well. Yes, yes. He's he's, he's full Matt all the time. Apparently, oh, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. no such thing as half Wait. Matt. <laughs> Yeah. No, there isn't. It's all or nothing, man. <laughs> See, I, I couldn't watch a hockey because I just watched Mighty Ducks last week and I watched Miracle the week before. So I wasn't going to go with Goon. Maybe next week. I don't know. I go classic. We'll, we'll go, go, go with Slapshot. Watch some Paul Newman. I don't have Slapshot and it's not anywhere for free. Okay. So that's that's the thing as of right now. I'll, I have seen Slapshot. It's fine. Give it, it a couple good. more weeks and it'll be paying for it. Yeah, I'll be, yeah, I'll be renting that. I'll be renting some Slapshot. Yeah. Uh, what else do you want to run through? <laughs> uh, I've got one more uh, good, good proper movie to talk about. Uh, just remind me though, after we get to the session, we may have some news to talk about. Mm. So, yeah. Yes. yes. Um, but the movie I want to talk about is uh, Le Doulos. I'm probably set, pronouncing it wrong. Uh, it's a, a French movie from the, the early 60s. Uh, it's a, a crime thriller. Uh, and it is... Uh, the name translates to The, the Hat. And that's important because you know, the, the the opening of the movie tells you this is what the hat, you know, this is what it, it translates to and this is what it means. And it is essentially that it's a, a nickname for someone who's a, a police informant. Um, and the whole idea of this uh, movie is whether or not uh, a, a, a friend betrayed, you know, like, you know, informed on, on their, their, their friends. And uh, that's a, a big part of it. And whether or not they did and who's who did or who didn't. So there's a lot of themes of people wearing hats at, ta- at various points. One of the opening shots really early on is, uh, is one of our main characters in a hat coming into this building and he stops and looks in the mirror and the, the mirror's cracked. So you have this double reflection and you're like, okay, I really see where you're going with this. Uh, it's a, it's a really solid movie actually. Um, and I thought it was really uh, good and well paced. And I thought I was going to give it like, Oh no, it was like a, a seven, 7.5. And then the last like 10 to 15 minutes or so, which really brought everything together, did it in a way more satisfying than I would have expected, and, uh, and really bumped it up a bit. Uh, it's worth checking out uh, if, if you're interested in that sort of movie from that period. Uh, so it was pretty good. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Uh, I've got a few more to just kind of run through. I watched a couple last night and uh, uh, yesterday, actually. I, I watched During the day, I watched... Uh, uh, another classic from 1957, just a kind of random one that was on Criterion. It ended up not being that great, though. It was called The Burglar. Uh, it was uh, uh, The Burglar, sorry, The Burglar. <laughs> the Burglar. Uh, and it's basically just these this group of guys and a woman who's who still has diamond necklace. But then it's mostly about them kind of trying to wait out the heat sort of after the fact and trying not to turn on each other. And that. And it sounds like a really great idea. And it was great when uh, Stanley Kubrick did it in The Killing. Uh, this one is, it was just kind of in the middle of the road kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I'm, I'm so used to like classic movies being great because typically you check out the ones that have got a reputation. This was yep. kind of a random, oh, just pick and mix, see how it is. And it was only just okay. Uh, so I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, the characters weren't that interesting or likable, which is kind of what made it sort of fall flat. Uh, and I, I also watched a disappointing movie that I thought was going to be great called Runaway Train uh, from the 80s which stars Eric Roberts and uh, uh, and what was his face Voight Robert, Robert Voight John Voight John Voight thank you uh, <laughs> he's in the glory road yeah. with prosthetics oh there you he go weird. there you go <laughs> uh, so what's so funny is that not that long ago in fact I probably talked about it on something at some point about watching Anaconda for the first time 
Oh, uh, oh boy, that's fun. Right? And that, 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 that was, was fun as Anacon does. Hunt for the Blood Orchid. Sure, but that was something I watched maybe like five months ago, four months ago, whatever it was. Oh. And I remember being gobsmacked at how bad his accent was in that, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. He's got another bad yeah. accent in this movie. He's, he's he's trying to do like a New Jersey thing, but he's kind of slipping oh. and sounding kind of weird at times. And it's all, and Eric Roberts has got an accent as well. It Like the, the whole thing. Anyway, they're prisoners who escape uh, a prison in Alaska. And oh, we, sp- we spend like 30 minutes on this. This was also Tr- Danny Trejo's first movie. He's got a small role. Uh, as a prisoner, I'm betting? As a prisoner. And it turns out yeah. he, he wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. He was on set because he was the the sponsor of someone from uh, Narcotics Anonymous. Like he was someone else's sponsor yeah. on set. And so he, was just, he happened to be there for them. And they put him in the movies in a boxing scene in the prison. Wow. Uh, and that's how his movie career started. I know. That's the most interesting that's, that's thing about cool. this movie. He's... As as scary as that man looks, he'll always be Uncle Machete from Spy Kids to me. And uh, up until this global pandemic, I always wanted to get a hug from Danny Trejo. <laughs> and, and, and now that it'll never happen. Oh, he's, um, yeah, he's just got a really nice, uh, nice dude. Yeah, but... he just seems like a nice... And so him being a sponsor for a guy on a film set completely makes sense. Yeah. From, from all the stories you hear about him. So that, that's real cool. But yeah, so they, they end up sort of going on a train. Obviously, it's cold. It's in Alaska, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they steal some clothes. They get onto a train. Uh, and just lo and behold, this train happens to the, the guy who was uh, conducting it uh, or driving it. He has a heart attack or whatever, and he ends up falling off the train. So it's a it's a it's a runaway train. It's you know it's unstoppable or whatever. It's like that happens in a train that happens to have two escaped convicts on it. Um, and that's the plot. So it cuts a lot to the the, the train circuits and the wardens kind of hunting the prisoners in a helicopter. It sounds like the most ridiculous eighties fun time. And unfortunately, it was just really dull. And part of it was because the, the, the two characters, despite the fact that you've got these known actors playing them, are really uninteresting. Uh, this mm-hmm. was such a misfire to me. Uh, I was I was expecting a good fun time, if not a genuinely fun action movie, and it ended up just being really boring. And for some reason, Ebert apparently loved it and gave it like full you know full 4 out of 4, which I, I hate the 4 out of 4 system. Terrible. But... Uh, yeah. Yeah, this was dull. I can't recommend this. This was this is a Blu-ray I had sitting on my shelf for years. Waste of money. I wish I could go back to 2014 and tell myself not to buy it. Waste of money. Yeah. You're just really about that Eric Roberts, though. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know. Bigger fan of his daughter. His daughter's way better. Yeah, I was, I was going to say. I mean, she's not number <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> that said, did I ever tell you the time we met Eric Roberts, me and my friends, we went to the Expendables premiere here in town? No, I did not hear And one this. of my friends yelled sharktopus at him <laughs> and and he looked like he was going to come over the rail and punch him it's one of my favorite eric roberts moments actually final bit of th- final thing i want to say about this movie so obviously we're bored watching this movie i was watching it on stream last night so yep. naturally the chat start looking up things about the movie mm-hmm. both eric roberts and and john voight who are terrible in this movie were nominated for academy awards for this movie and and all and basically all we could deduce is that it was a really bad year, <laughs> and then maybe maybe like Voight was getting this was like an honorary one because they never gave it to him for some other things that he deserved From it 85? for. Eighty five, eighty five, yeah. They were both nominated for actor and supporting actor respectively. Oh my gosh, you know Kurosawa wrote the original screenplay. Oh yeah, yeah that was that was the interesting. Kurosawa was going to make this movie in the sixties, but then couldn't because of weather conditions. So they revived the script, the canon. Yeah, yeah you know what's in for you're in for a good time, and canon made the movie. Not oh, that's a golden glove. <laughs> <laughs> so not only did, did John Voight get a, a, a nomination, he he won, but that was for the golden gloves, and that's that was what matter anyways. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> wow, I was up for best editing supporting actor and actor. Yikes. Yeah. I, that was 80, 85. This was baffling to me. See, see when they said that to me? Because I was like halfway through the movie at this point, and like, I think David in chat said that. I was like, I was like, F off. Couldn't believe it. No, no way. He's terrible. I, I, I This is almost cringeworthy, but it's not quite John Travolta and the Fanatic, but it's it's verging into that levels at some points. Like, it was terrible. Mm. Uh, it's not a good movie. Really boring and dull. Not that I needed great acting for this movie, but the fact that it was heralded as a good good movie for that, I, I, I can't understand. It was. Uh, I'm seeing what, what was up for those uh, awards. Yeah. So hold on, let, yeah. let's see. Look at best actor. Who who is up against Voight for best actor? What movies? Let's see. Best actor, you have William Hurt, who won for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Harrison right. Ford in Witness. Are you kidding me? Witness. John Book is one of the best characters he's ever played. That's up there with Han Solo. In uh, and and well, he got nominated. So I mean, don't, don't be too mad. Yeah. At it. James Garner in Murphy's Romance. Jack Nicholson in Preetzi's Honor, and John Voight in Runaway Train. Imagine if he'd won. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is also the year that uh, Out of Africa won Best Picture. So I, I should probably see Kiss, Kiss of the Spider Woman's a movie I need to see. That's it's too good a title yeah. not to not to track that down at some point. Uh, oh, who, who directed that one? Let me see. I think that's. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that sounds William Hurt, Raul Julia, and Sonia Braga. Raul Julia. Her, oh my. Yeah. Okay. All right. All Hector right. Hector Bobinko. Um, yeah, and then supporting actor was Don Amici for for, for uh, you younger folk. Uh, Raul Julia is uh, Gomez from the Adams Family movies, and also uh, Bison from the Street Fighter movie. Yeah. Just in case you need real quick. <laughs> oh yeah, you that's guys... what people anyone uh, knows him from. Of course, honestly, yes. the best part of that movie. He brought his oh, game great. because he wanted to make that movie for his kid. No, he was the, like super I, sick. There's a legit good scene in that movie where he's, yeah. he talks to like this, this woman who wants vengeance against him because he yeah. like, he like killed her village or whatever. Right. And like, he describes the murder of all the people in the village. And you know, for, for like, for you, it was the worst day of your life and you lost everything. Right. Your family was all dead. Everyone you ever knew all burnt to the ground. And for me, it was Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to think that any younger people who are listening to this haven't had the misfortune of watching that movie at all. Oh no, go go watch it. It is a fun. It's a hook. Time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is. It's Van Damme doing the splits, playing Guile with a Belgian accent. Yep. Like, and then you yeah. also have uh, Zangief's legitimately good comedy moment in it, where the yeah. truck full of explosives is going towards the building, yeah. and they're watching it on the uh, security feed, the cameras, mm-hmm. and he yells out loud, "Quick, change the channel!" As if he thinks that's going to help. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a good line. Um, it's a good joke. So, so do you know why M Bison's name is M Bison in the American release? I have no idea. No. So, so they had to swap around the characters: Sagat, Vega, and uh, M Bison. So, uh, Balrog. Balrog, Sagat, there's a whole big thing. But um, Balrog is a, uh, supposed to be the Thai kickboxing character. Vega is supposed to be M. Bison. M. Bison was the boxer based off of Mike Tyson. But they were also worried about being sued that when they did the American release, they switched the names around. And the video game, I assume you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah in the video game. Because I was so, going to say, no, Bison's always been Bison. That's what Bison looks yep. like in the game. But yeah, okay, fair enough. Yep, yep. But when, when they, I think he was supposed to be Vega because he's supposed to be like a you know Commandante type character. So they just they they moved them all around. Uh, and, and yeah, just, so they would shuffle them up, lucky dip. Yeah. Yep. And now Rob Julia plays M Bison, and you know acted his chops off. 
so so runaway yeah. train maybe the most interesting thing i watch is because all, all this weird stuff around it but yeah, it was nominated for a bunch of stuff and i just i had never heard of it before yeah like i've heard just of the spider woman you know of course witness i love witness and and out of africa i, I can't but, i can't recommend it i really wanted to uh, it sounds like such a fun movie on paper but it, it wasn't that good i mean also you know chariots of fire won in 1981 over raiders of the lost ark so like, <laughs> the days are just weird. Yeah, Matt Mask got a, a, a grudge with that one. Uh, oh, I do. Uh, and I just find I'll just mention I watched The Great Alligator, which was the same director as Night of the Fi- or Island of the Fishmen, uh, mm-hmm. but it was much more dull and not as fun as you think mm-hmm. it might be. It was boring. So there you go. That's that's my movies for the mm-hmm. week. All right. So before we move on to the next section, Connor teased there was some breaking news, comic book related to talk about. Yeah, and I want to clarify this by saying it's not official. There is no official announcement statements on anything. However, this is coming from Ryan Higgins, uh, who is a, you know, a prominent retailer, uh, tends to have a, a bit of inside knowledge on things. And what he's uh, tweeting is uh, things that are coming from Diamond's end. Again, nothing officially, just their internal stuff moving around. And apparently a whole lot of books have moved to the final order cutoff date of the 20th of this month. And it seems to be those are the books that were scheduled to ship, you know, over the last two weeks or so. And then a lot of the indie books dates are scheduled for the the 13th and the 20th of May. So that means essentially, assuming this pans out, that the next, you know, the, the, the two weeks of comics that are currently at, you know, Diamond have one week and one week are at the printer's. They're all ready to go. They just need kind of shipping. That would put them to come out on the 29th of this month and then the 6th, theoretically. Um, again, worth noting, when DC originally you know pushed their stuff on Comixology, they did push to the 29th. They uh-huh. got rid of that event. You know, they removed them entirely after that, but that was the date they first pushed to. So this would line up if that's where they're trying to get them out for. Uh, so it could be interesting. It's one thing for them to try and do it for that day. It's another thing for them to actually do it on that day. So we'll it see. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, again, like I said, nothing official, but it's it's interesting. They're, they're clearly mm. looking at trying to make this sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, but that doesn't mean that we're getting two weeks worth of books in that one one week. Is no, that... no, no. It'll be the the twenty ninth, and then the sixth will be the two weeks that we've just missed essentially. Right. Yeah, but that would that mean technically then, if they're not ready to keep printing stuff after that, that we'll be on a break again after two weeks of books. I think they're assuming they'll be ready to keep printing because okay. that's they've got a lot of indie books scheduled for the thirteenth and the twentieth, which is obviously the, the two weeks after that. Yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh... I I do know they still put out digital trades. Right, because uh-huh. I saw I saw in Comicsology they had the Robert Venditti Freedom Fighters book that came out this week. So I mean, that's good. There's but not something. Uh, they also last week I think they put out the new Adventures of Batman, uh, the follow up to the, the digital first. Yes. Yeah, that was yeah. digital first. Yeah, we talked we talked about that yeah. last week. Yeah, it was still or yeah, whatever yeah. we talked so, about. It. Yeah. So yeah, so it's so good to see stuff show up. But yeah, I mean, I miss going to my comic shop. Man, Wednesdays feel empty. <laughs> <laughs> well one thing Wednesday still does have is uh, Dynamite so we'll, we'll transition it in the oh, wrestling talk uh, right hi now. Connor uh, Connor requested that he wanted to take me to go get a drink so that's why wrestling talks at this point uh, but uh, we'll talk about Dynamite first and I'm sure Matt wants to talk about, a little bit about Wrestlemania and stuff after oh, but, yeah. uh, we'll start with Dynamite uh, obviously, I think the weird thing about these shows right now with no crowd and obviously we know that this wasn't live this week they pre-taped this in like, the next like two or three weeks worth of Dynamites mm-hmm. all last week so it feels less guilty to watch it because you know that they're not actually they're doing all this now. They're actually all at home now, uh, you know, in lockdown like everyone else, which is good. Yeah. 
but it's very clear watching it that they only had a certain small roster to work with because so many couldn't come. Like, you'll notice that over these weeks there's been no Bucks, there's been no Paige, there's Uh been no MGF, there's like tons of people who are just not there. Right. But they're doing the best they can without that. Mm-hmm. And there was some notable stuff this week. I think, honestly, the highlight for the show for me might have been the, the women's match. Uh, yeah. Brett, Brett versus Shida. And, uh, you know, the match itself, like, it was it was fine. Uh, but it was, I, a, it was a character work. Say, yeah, it was probably the best match out of both of them. We, we know that Shida can work, right? We, we've seen her up to this point. She's been in multi-women matches, and she always comes out. She, she's great. She's of that Asuka mold where... Whatever they choose to do with her, she's going to succeed, right? Um, Britt was someone that I had heard a lot of good things off coming from the indies beyond that, oh, that's Adam Cole's girlfriend, right? Um, yet nothing I had seen up to this point, up up to her first heel promo, nothing that had justified the hype. Um, and I don't know if they were just trying to make her the baby face or, or what, but over the last what month, month and a half, she's really coming to her own, and this is easily her best match in ring. Yeah, it was the it know? was the week after the cruise, so it's probably the last like two or so months. Two months, yeah. Then. Um, the, yeah, her promos have been great. There was a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, the way she sort of like uh, laid down like a school like teenager and smiled mm-hmm. at the guns after she's a fame master. Uh, the yeah. way you know, she, so she actually gets her, her nose broken here. And there's blood like pouring out, right? So it's a great visual. She has this blood in her face, which was unintentional, seemingly. Yep. Um, but there was a great moment towards the end where she she's going for the lockjaw, right? She's got she's got the the mm-hmm. arms hooked and she wants to do the mandible claw part of it, but she starts yelling at the ref to give her give her his glove so that she can do it because she doesn't want to put her hand in her mouth. So that, that yeah. was a, that was like a neat little way of like tying it into like current events. Like, oh no, I can't put my hand huh? in her mouth. I I need a glove. I need a glove. Even though right. like and they're rolling around well, sweaty together anyway. So I mean, the fact the fact too that the glo- the the ref was wearing gloves because of blood, which if you know wrestling, anytime there's there's blood. The, the ref pulls gloves out of their back pocket to put on. Um, so the fact that she's asking him for gloves was thin, like, that's not anything you can plan, right? That is spur of the moment. Yeah. And, and even more so, so, so Shida gets the win because they're kind of pushing Shida right now mm-hmm. to be the next contender yeah. for the title. Uh, but there was a, there was a promo with Brett Lair where uh, she's asked about the match or, or whatever. And she, mm-hmm. she does her thing. And she does a lot of great facial expressions where she looks kind of manical with the, the blood on her face. Yeah. But she's like, oh, she's lucky she never uh, done it, you know, busted my teeth. And then there's a pause, and then she clearly ad-libs this and goes, but that would be okay, because I'm a dentist. And it just walks off. And it was the perfect delivery of a line that couldn't have been planned because the the, the broken nose wasn't planned. It was, you know, obviously it wasn't planned. So that that was really good stuff. Yeah, very, 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 very good. Um, And then the other match go... These these shows have been kind of light on matches and heavy on supplemental story stuff, which I'm okay with because I view wrestling as a multimedia, you know, presentation. So the fact that you've had, you know, you can mix in wrestling with vignettes. Oh, and sure. Other I mean, things. If I'm picking my perfect balance, it's definitely less, you know, more towards what it was before. But like, and then this current, what's going on right now? Of course, it's going to be more pro, you know, v- well, you know, video package heavy. That's fine. I, I don't know if you ever watched Lucha Underground, but Lucha Underground was it was heavy with the wrestling, but for its hour, maybe a third of it was was out of ring promos and story beats that were shot like a film. Mm. Um, and I just I really like that it adds and like it adds to this heightened reality that is wrestling. And it may just be the comic book fan in me that loves all that stuff. 
but but here the way that they're handling it. That said, the matches they gave us this week with with Kenny. This was Kenny versus the best friends, Kenny and Nakazawa. Uh, yeah, and, that, yeah, this was really good. I, it was, yeah. What was great about this is that it was really fun. All of Nakazawa's spots were great. I loved how yep. uh, like Spears was in the crowd and Spears was mm-hmm. has been looking at Nakazawa as a potential partner. I, yep. You know, the most I've ever liked Spears is when it cut back to Spears in the middle of this match and he went, mm-hmm. "What's with all the baby oil? Why does he keep using the baby?" Yeah. Like that actually made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the fact that you have the team like the best friends who the comedy spots work out mm. when when he covered when, when Nakazawa covered himself in the baby oil and then Trent tried to knife edge chop him and it kept sliding it should have got to a point where it wasn't funny anymore but because those two guys are so good at comedy mm-hmm. it was funny every time or even just to set up to the match where Nakazawa's suggesting they call themselves the best friends and then Orange Cassidy comes out of the bathroom in yeah. their trailer and the best friends yeah. are like yeah we heard everything you're trying to take our names like well we'll fight you for it then you know winner of the match gets to keep the name so I mean it told us that the best friends were going to win but they should win because they're the actual tag team right uh, right it makes sense uh, but what made this match even better than all this uh, and we have to mention this at some point is the commentary mm-hmm. uh, Shivani and Jericho in commentary like yep. see if Jericho wants to be a commentator when he's done actual wrestling yes. he can do that for the rest of his life he's great so, were they on site or was this after the fact um, I don't know how they recorded the commentary they weren't in the room with them for sure yeah uh, but um, so because if, if that's Jericho having time to prepare like yeah get him on commentary every time like he was so good. He knows how to put people over. And even like, even stuff like when he would talk about Moxley, when they would come out of those, he would still put him over, but talk about how much of a dirtbag he is. Oh yeah, that's what's so good about him is, is he will make fun of the things that make sense for him to be making fun yeah. of given his character, but he still right. puts everyone yeah. over as a, as a threat or a credible fighter or as a credible whatever, you know? Right. And I, I always remember because I used to listen to his podcast every week and I don't listen as much anymore just because I have a bunch of other stuff. But he would always talk about when he was coming up, if you're fighting an old guy, you don't make fun of him for being old, right? You put over the fact that he's experienced and he's been at this longer. Because if you win, you're the guy that beat up an old guy. But if you if you win after putting that guy over for all of his experience, you're the young dude that overcame the veteran. Yeah. And that's that's simple storytelling, and that's what wrestling I, is. I loved them trying to like name the moves in this that they didn't know was uh-huh. cracking me up. Yeah. Uh, you know, at one point they called it a hentai slide or something like that, and like Jericho's trying to explain what hentai is. There was a lot of weird. And Shivani almost cracked four or five times. Oh yeah, actually, there was a moment where Jericho corpsed at his own joke, uh, where yeah. he started laughing in the middle of his own joke, and he yeah. couldn't help it because it was just too funny. Yeah. But that that fits in with Le, Le Champion Jericho laughing oh, yeah. at his own joke. Uh, so, or even Shivani, um, every so often he would say, "Oh, did you set the hounds on him?" Like he kept asking if he yep. set the hounds on him based uh-huh. on last week's joke. At, uh, yep. it was just it was entertaining. Yeah. yeah, I was telling Pete, I don't pay attention to commentary as much because coming up as a WWE fan, you, you kind of tune out the commentary because for for a long time it was JBL and Cole, and you just I don't need that, so I don't listen to commentary as much as I should. Uh, plus, Mauro Ronaldo, I know he has his fans. He gets on my nerves um so you just you tune stuff out um so to have me paying attention to what jericho's saying that's just he is a goat like i if i had to make a favorite wrestlers or greatest wrestlers he's he's in that top five no matter what you know yep just because how long he's been around he's good at everything you need him to be the good guy he's great you need him to be the bad guy he's even better you need him to commentate ref do whatever like He's he's just fantastic. 
Yeah. So, sorry, no, that it was... was great all night. Made the match mm-hmm. really entertaining. Uh, the whole thing was entertaining. A uh, couple of squash matches again. Uh, Lance Archer killed a dude. Uh, Brody Lee <laughs> killed a dude. I think what really worked about these two matches for me is that if you're going to do a quick squash match, and yeah. bo- both of these had this, they both had that one ridiculous move that was really noticeable yep. and memorable. With Lance, it was the over the head choke slam. <laughs> Yep. Uh, with uh, Brody, he did like a, a springboard senton thing to the, the dude, oh. and it was like, okay, both of those were memorable moments that made uh, me remember those matches. Yeah, up up and over on the ropes like a damn cruiserweight. Yep. Brody Lee. It was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I went into our group and I said, hi, I'm Matt, and I'm a murder hot guy. <laughs> just because Lance Archer, I put him over last week too. He was great in this year's G1. I, he was someone in New Japan I never paid much attention to, right? Um, but he was always this big, scary monster. This year's G1, though, brought out the best of him, and now he's bringing that to AEW. He knows his character perfectly. He can execute the types of moves he needs to. On social media, he seems to not be playing the character, which I'm always kind of a fan of. Like, There's a time and place for that, like Matt mm-hmm. Hardy right now. You want him to be Damascus the full time. But like him, like... So, so um, Kevin Nash tried to kind of not Barry. that's not the right word but he tried to call out uh murder hawk for well that's not a move you can do to the whole roster and he respectfully showed him he's like nah yeah it took a little bit of help but i did this to bad luck folly in new japan it, you know so yes i can but but thank you for paying attention to me and you're just like oh that that's how you settle real business you know mm-hmm. like he's just he's doing all the things right and the fact that he's been around for forever yet now he is shining that's a testament to, you know, himself and AEW when you think yeah. about it. Yeah, and give him oh. Jake doing promos on his behalf and you have mm-hmm. you have gold. Uh the really yep. say. Uh, plus, f- plus a banger of a of a theme song. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. Everybody dies. Uh, so good. Oh Matt's new music is great as well. Uh yeah. he had a, a little promo where he uh talked about uh uh Sammy Guevara being a false god. Uh Samuel Guevara is a false god. He's no Spanish. Oh man, my wife hates Broken Matt Hardy. She cannot stand him. So the fact that he is back, I just get looks like don't don't even start the yes laugh. Don't don't do not do it. So yeah. Yeah, and then uh, at great. the end he invites Chris Jericho to a match on his compound, then calls it the Elite Deletion, which is amazing. So uh, I, I'm all for all of this. Very entertaining. We had the first yep. first match in the tournament for the TNT Championship. Yep. We had Cody versus Spears. Uh, was much better than it had any right to be. Um, I, if I, actually, one of my favorite things of the night, this was actually more so in the tag match, actually, but there was a moment in the tag match when they were doing all their crazy shit with the baby oil, they were doing all their crazy little comedy spots, where Aubrey in the middle of the match just looked like she was pissed off. She's like, you know what, I'm done with this shit. I'm done with yep. this. I can't be arsed with this anymore. Yep. Uh, and it was kind of the same in the main event with the, the tournament match, uh, where they started using tables uh, and guardrails and all sorts of yep. things, and Aubrey just said, you know what, I'm just, I can't even be arsed disqualifying anyone. Yep. I'm not doing this. Uh, we just uh, let it ride. Um, also, Pineapple Pete, mm-hmm. um, Jericho getting that guy over in the crowd, him being mad that he was getting involved in things. Yeah, he, which um, he's got a match this week on Dynamite. Yep, yes, he does. And he has a shirt on uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. Yeah. Now. Uh, which, um, by the way, so, the, the uh, signed Anna J. that was the, the woman who fought yep. Shida like two weeks ago. Last uh, week. Yeah. Uh, last week, yeah. Whatever it was. Uh, she's actually a signed now, officially, which is cool. Because yep. she was good. She was good on her first showing. Yep, yep. Uh, so, so, no, the first yeah. tournament match was solid. Uh, the ending, uh, some people don't like the ending uh, because the, the pin in the figure four. Um, yeah. I didn't hate it, but. It's fine by me. It's 
I, I'm tired of seeing people eat like four crossroads. So if he's going to change it up and he's going to do that move, you know, which I, I feel only heel Cody should use the figure for, mm-hmm. but you know, that's just me. Um, I, I don't, I don't mind it. I, I, so. I always wonder why people don't try to get the pin with the figure for why is it only a submission? I will say, I mean, if I have a critique about AEW right now, it's just that, Dev, because there's more packages and because there was two Moxley Hager packages, like, oh, there's definitely there's definitely more stuff that I'm happy to just kind of fast forward through a little bit because there's less actual thing. Uh, like, I'll tell you this, because it's not live right now, there's no actual yeah. matches in the ad breaks, so right. there was nothing on Fight TV, it was just, like, music for, like, the ad breaks, which was weird. Right. Uh, but I guess because they've edited it just so that, oh, we'll just have all the good stuff yeah. be before and after the break. They don't need to have anything. Uh, okay. So... You you sound like you didn't like those those packages from Hager and, and Moxley. I, as soon as Hager starts talking, I just want to fast forward. He's just <laughs> yeah, I get that. But see, this is I think the the sports fan in me versus the non sports fan in you. Um, these feel like the HBO twenty four seven specials. Sure. Where and they lead to boxing matches or MMA matches or they've done it for hockey too. I I love it. Um, these while I don't take Hager that seriously. Um, or his wife, for that matter. I thought this was the best way to build him because if you want to treat him like a legitimate sports guy, this is the way to do it. I, I also want to point out um, Moxley, where he was running in the desert. That's by my work. That is literally <laughs> 250 yards away from my my workplace. I know that trail. I know the park that he was at. Um, his neighborhood. I know where those cross streets are. So I thought that was funny. Um, and I just, I thought the way that he said this was like, yeah, it's a, everyone keeps saying he's a threat because he's a real fighter, but this is an empty arena, no DQ style match. Um, Which I'm going to be ready for him. For the record, that's, right. that's next week's Dynamite. And he's, he's going to be ready. So it's not just the sheer, you know, athleticism of Hager. You know, he's got, you know, Moxley has tricks up his sleeve. There's a former deathmatch wrestler. Like it's not yeah. going to be easy. So, yeah, you know. I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd hate this if it was a pay per view build up, but because it's a TV match, mm-hmm. it's fine. This is, you know, Hager yeah. does not belong in a pay per view main event with Moxley, but in no. a P- TV match, cool. Uh, yeah. So, we have another match of the tournament next week as well. We have uh, <laughs> Archer versus, I think, I, th- I think it's Colt Cabana. He's facing, which is good luck to him. Uh, he's, he's, boom, boom. He's getting put down. Uh, yeah. so that's next week and Jericho's back on commentary and seems to be he's going to be it seems like Jericho's going to be in commentary in all the taped episodes that they did uh, yeah. last week that's which is cool by me fine by me give, yeah. give Jericho all the all the time in the world I again I, I was a big fan of that guy but it's even it's growing with his AEW presence yeah. Um, and Brett's so, uh, going to be in a match. They didn't say who, so, which just means it's yeah, probably going to be a no. robber, but that's fine. Which which tells me wherever they're shooting at is in Florida, because there's a ton of wrestlers that live in Florida, mm. so it's easy for them to get around. Plus, Florida's not the best at locking down right now, um, so they have a little bit more leeway. But uh, but yeah, it would make sense for her to, to be at all of these, because she's been at every taped one thus far, every empty uh, one. I, I mean, believe. hell, I mean, Anna J got signed after being the jobber in a match yeah. with someone. So if I fear yeah. a couple of these others, if Pineapple Pete gets mm-hmm. picked up because they like his work next right. week, then right. great, you know? Uh, um, gives these indies in, a chance to do something when almost yeah. nothing else is running. Right. And in, in other news, the revival from WWE mm. had some of the best tag team matches. They got unconditionally released yesterday as we record this uh, from, from the WWE. I and would... they famously had a 
social media feud with the Young Bucks, where yeah. the hashtag FTR but came from. Everyone's been expect expecting them to go to AEW for like a year. It, yep. You know, it's been a long build. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I saw someone online suggest this week, and I thought this was really funny. That you know how uh, uh, Spears is looking for a tag partner. Uh, yeah. That, that Tully would leave Spears and go and t- uh, uh, manage the revival because he just he's yeah. like, you know what, Spears, you're a lost cause. I'm going to go with the revival. That's a hilarious yeah. idea to me. I want it to happen. <laughs> yep. It's perfect. Well, because that's who they're basing themselves off of. It was Tully and, yeah. and Arn, right? Yeah. Although, um, although they can't use the name of the Revival. They're going to have to change the name, no. which is fine. Whatever. That, that, that's fine. There's yeah. Whatever they change it to, it'll be fine. Uh, they also changed their names to some very, very bad ones. Dash Wilder became Cash something. And uh, Dawson became Dax Hardwood, which just does not sound how, like a wrestling name. How about The Rebirth? The rebirth, yeah, go. that'd be good. Give me the rebirth. Um, actually, there was one uh, more thing I want to talk about wrestling-wise, actually, and yeah. actually, I think I want to talk about this last week, and I'd forgotten to bring it up, but I watched the, mm-hmm. the new one this week, uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, yeah. So I watched the two Ben Y episodes. I've not seen the New Jack one yet, but I watched the Brawl for All one this week. Yeah. And so I remember seeing the Brawl for All because I was watching in '98 when that mm-hmm. happened, but I'd forgotten a lot of it. It was kind of vague memories Art at best. Done. Yeah. Do you <laughs> yeah. know what? Right. So. I kind of, I kind, you know, Bargar I sided with because he's basically, okay, so it was this real boxing kind of tournament, yeah. right, that we're doing. And basically his thing was that on day one, he was put with Steve Williams, Dr. Death, who was meant to be this guy who's getting this big push. He's going to have a, have a run with Austin, all these things. And they're basically like, oh, like, yeah, you've just been put in there to lose in the first round. But it's a real fight. It's not, it's not a, it's not a worked yeah. wrestling match. And you know, Bart Gunn's like, yeah, I think I may have a chance or whatever, and people started making fun. I was like, oh yeah, sure, yeah, you're going to maybe knock out Dr. Steve. Uh, like, and so, it's hard not to watch that footage when they show the clips of the match, and when he puts them down, it's like, I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm happy that he did this, because everyone was doubting him. Uh, Vince Russo is a goddamn idiot, and that, that's not that that's news, right? But the fact that he did all this because he went to see Bradshaw get knocked out, like, yeah. there was smarter ways to go about that than putting all these other people yeah. in danger. I just want to put that, put that out yeah. there. <laughs> Uh, Bart Gunn, heavy right hand. That, that's sometimes all you need. Although he got completely annihilated by Butterbean, which, who thought that was a good idea? Well, there was an interesting um, detail, actually, at the end of that, when they said that, um, had he still fought, like, a brawl, like, in a bar fight, like he had the previous yeah. matches, he might have had a chance, but because he tried to wrestle right. a boxing match instead... Right. You know what, well, wrestle a... You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a stupid way I know, you, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the that's the whole idea of MMA, right? was to put two different styles together. Now it's all become mm. kind of one style. Um, but back in the day, so I, I get what they were trying to do. However, there's nobody like Butterbean. There's a reason why he was a special attraction boxer and never a title holder. Um, Cause once you get hit by Butterbean, you're staying down. That's, that's just it. Once he connects. So he, he never had a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I steered clear of the Benoit episode because I know it's so dark and, depressing it's, and... it, honestly it's, it's worth a watch it's a really interesting two part yeah. uh, the all yeah. the stuff with him and Eddie and like it was like you know Benoit lost his spouse when Eddie died and not to say yeah. that anyone speculated that there was actually some sort of relationship like that but no, just in the way that he, they, he felt it it was that, that kind of they were brothers like they went through Japan together ECW WCW WWE they were always there for each other I mean it was the four the real four horsemen of that era was Jericho, Malenko, yeah. Benoit, and Eddie. And they were inseparable. Like, they all worked out. Like, I remember Jericho talking that Eddie and, and Benoit would make fun of Malenko and Jericho for not eating as healthy as they could. Like, Jericho would go get a cheeseburger, and they would call him fat ass <laughs> and whatnot. And, you know, but there, so there was, like, family 
bullying for lack of a better term. They all loved each other, right? Yeah. But you know, so, but, so yeah. yeah I, I mean, it, it was it was a warning story about you know steroid abuse, a warning story about you know chair head shots and things like that. just all these yeah. things that obviously we've heard about. But seeing it all laid out in order like that was really kind of like something. And yeah. uh, it, it's it's why unprotected headshots make me cringe. And you know, with with uh, Spears versus Cody, we kept seeing that one from from Fighter Fest or whatever. Yeah. The but it's but it's notable that you know that was one time which they admitted was a yeah. mistake. It was supposed to be gimmicked yeah. and they made a mistake. Uh, right. You know, that that's was something that used to happen multiple times a week to to some guys. Yeah. You know, right. back right, in right, the nineties right. and in early two thousands. Even my local promotion when they would do it and they wouldn't get their hands up in time, I would always yell CTE is a real thing, right? Like, I understand you guys are trying to put on a show, but protect yourselves. Like, we don't we don't need any of this type of stuff. Yeah. It's it's scary, man. It's just yeah. I mean, they, they fly out talk about you know, but the fact that Benoit's brain was like that of an eighty year old. The fact that yep. you know, like, yeah, no one should forgive him for what he did. But ultimately, like, his brain was significantly damaged yep. because of yep. years of what he did to his body, and that's you right. know played a part in what his decision making process was like at the time. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right, right. crazy crazy stuff uh yeah. but well so go on tell me about the boneyard match and whatever other crazy shit happened at wrestling so <laughs> I, i'm not an undertaker guy real quick i'll make this quick for connor i'm not an undertaker guy i'm not an aj styles guy styles was great uh, i'm not a fan of his character um taker however i get the mystique but he's not who he was like for me his last match should have been the, the wrestlemania 30 he lost to brock that's it so I was, I was, this was a match I did not care about. It was supposed to be a buried alive in Tampa. They called an audible and shot it cinematic style. Like, you know, which this is what Matt Hardy's gift to wrestling is because of the final deletion. We're able to have these mainstream cinematic style matches. Um, and they have a complete boneyard match. It starts with a hearse coming in to the funeral dirge. It opens up and it's AJ Styles and he has never been more of a little shit. And Undertaker comes up, not his rolling theme. He uses a brand new metal, not brand new, but a newer Metallica song, right? Coming up on the motorcycle. And they have a 1980s action movie style fight through a, a what looks like motorcycle garage in a swamp. Uh, <laughs> where at, at, at one point, Taker gets actually cut open uh, on, on his elbow. I guess they kept rolling. Um, the club shows up and Taker has to take them out. Druids show up out of nowhere to attack Undertaker. None of it makes any sense, but it's like an 80s action movie. You're just rolling with it. And and towards the end, AJ's getting the shit kicked out of him. And you're like, oh my god, this is what the this is what Taker needed to rebound after years of bad matches. Just if he can do matches like this going forward, you buy that a 50 plus year old man with bad hips can still be a physical presence, you know? Um, it helps that AJ is one of the best wrestlers in the world as well, and he's pretty creative, but it was so much fun. Um, and then you had Goldberg versus Braun in a five- or six-move match for the title that just WWE's going to WWE. It was terrible. Wasn't the uh, Lesnar-McIntyre match the same thing? Just the finisher, same, finisher, finisher? Same, finisher. I, yeah. That's what I was going to get to. If you're going to do that once, fine. But then you do it twice, and you have Brock who can go. You have McIntyre who you built to be this Scottish monster who could go toe-to-toe with the Beast. Yet you have a couple F5s and a, and a German, and then 
shoes finisher, the Claymore, and, and that's it. And and the title changes hands and Brock's whatever. It's uh, AEW. That's not the match to talk about though, because you also had a while it wasn't a match, a presentation of the Firefly Funhouse of Cena versus the Fiend. That this is how they should have been using the Fiend from the beginning. That it is a match where where Cena comes out to the the performance center to have a match, and then it's almost as if it enters his mind, and it's every doubt, every decision, everything. <laughs> You see Cena join the NWO. You see The Fiend as, or Bray Wyatt as Eric Bischoff, bringing John Cena out as the fourth man. And it's it's hard to describe, but it's basically if David Lynch did wrestling. <laughs> so, Pete, I'm telling you, you got to check that one out at least. If, if you're going to have time, there's it, 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 it's dream logic. It, one thing goes to another. It replays most of Cena's prominent things with Wyatt playing the opposite side. Um, and yeah, it was it was a fitting use of both guys. And I can't, like, there's a lot of people that weren't a fan of it because it wasn't a match per se, but I'm okay with that. Um, the, the Fiend should be a medical, physical threat where, you know, we, we talk about the metaverse. If anybody should have the power to access the wrestling metaverse, it is the Fiend. You know, like... WWE shot themselves in the feet many times now where they made the Funhouse an actual physical place with, with Seth Rollins and whatnot. And they had Goldberg bury him at Saudi Arabia. It just in a terrible, terrible thing. This is how you build him back up. And if they're going to have to do this type of stuff going forward, I feel this is how you do it. Um, and it was, it was fantastic. So those are the two standouts from WrestleMania. I didn't really watch too much of the other stuff. Uh, just because it's you know empty arena, I'm not that it was like 18, invested in WWE. It was like 18 matches over two nights. It was like every... two days, yeah, <laughs> too much. I will say Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn was very good. Which, I mean, come on, of course it was. Well, it was two of the best. Uh, so I mean, yeah, of course, of, of course it's gonna be good. Um, and I, I want to talk about NXT real quick because I got caught up. Um, they did uh, uh, Gargano versus Ciampa, which is a a match or a, a storyline that I've been invested in for the past. What feels like five years of my life. Um, and, and this was going to be the one to end it all. They did it in an empty warehouse, cinematic style while the match wasn't the best. There's far too many cuts. Um, it was too much of a brawl, not enough of a match. When you have those two guys who could have a match, although out of everything they've done, what else is there to do? The story they told here where they effectively did a double turn with Gargano and Ciampa, where the beginning of the match, you have Candace, who's Gargano's wife, give him something in a wrapped up in a package, and she just has this look like I'm over this, and she drops him off. And he fights Ciampa. They go back and forth. Um, Candace finally shows up. It basically yells at Johnny, like, I, I've had enough, we're done. And she goes to leave, and, and Johnny gives Ciampa that look, like, this is all your fault. You've ruined my life. And... Uh, Candace kicks Johnny in the junk and he's down and it looks like Chompa's just going to end things. And he, he pulls down and he looks at him and he has like this, what have I done? And as he is having this look, Candace comes from behind and kicks him in the junk and, and out of Johnny, you know, out of his pants, he pulls out a cup and it looks like Candace is at a heel turn along with Johnny and Chompa has this like Frankenstein, and his monster kind of thing. Like, what have I, what have I done? 
that part of the story, if this is where this was all supposed to go and we got delayed a year because of Champa's neck injury and whatnot, everything makes sense. It actually lines up whereas wrestling doesn't ever have to make sense, right? This story from every turn to Johnny's eventual turn to the dark side because he's been pushed this way over over Champa's turning, it all adds up for me. And it's one of my favorite things I've ever seen wrestling-wise. Um, I'm also very biased because I love Johnny Gargano. Um, and, I've, and I've lost my voice booing at Champa, like in person. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I, I would recommend that, but... It is part of a story. It'll almost be like going to see Rise of Skywalker to not having ever seen a Star Wars movie. So, like, you would need all the beats of Gargano versus Ciampa from from them putting being put together for the first Dusty to the Cruiserweight uh, Championship match that they had to all of their tag team stuff. Like, this this was supposed to be the end, but it feels like this is just a, a pause, and it's going to continue down the line. Um so yeah, uh, those are the three best things that come out of WrestleMania. Very, very. I don't think they should have done it. That's just me, though. I think they should have had a place a holdover until they could actually do this again. And this is the year without a mania. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I feel like they've been fighting to just skip a year uh, and be yeah. back when there's like you can actually have a crowd. So it's actually a mania. Mania has a, a name brand to it, and I just felt this taints it a little bit. Like, sure, you had the Boneyard match, right? And you had the Fiend versus Cena in the Firefly Funana. But the rest of it, like, the two main title matches have the same exact piece to it. Like, it, if it, you're going to do one, don't do the other. It's now, going to, it's now going to be trivia forever that 36, is it, is it 36 this year? 36, yeah. yep. 36 was the one with no crowd. 36 was the one right? because of the virus they couldn't do a yep. proper mania. Yeah, and, and, and props to all the people that showed up and put their heart into it, you know. Not just the wrestlers, but the cameramen, the refs, all of that. Because you could tell that there were people that did care. Right, like, um, the first night had had uh, Baszler versus Becky Lynch for the women's title, and it was a it was a fine match. I mean, the ending was something that we've seen, and it's the same thing over. But they were really laying punches and kicks in, like to the fact that they have to cover for no crowd reaction. Yeah, I was going to say that they, like, they almost have to be harder because like, you can hear yeah. if it's fake if because there's no crowd covering up. And 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 Shane is a legit MMA fighter. Like she is so. Props to both of them for putting their bodies on the line and whatnot for our entertainment. And, you know, but all that said, they could have had a placeholder. This could have been, you know, you know, WrestleMania dot dot, you know, whatever. Make it a special, you know, and, and save 36 for next year, you know, because because Vince wanted to get away from from the, the numbers anyways, because it makes it seem old when you get up to that, you know. So, so just make this Mania, you know, Performance Center or Mania at wrestlemania in your house right like <laughs> you know so whatever so yeah that, that's i think that's wrestling for the week um yeah so so connor we can we can bring you back in yeah we can uh talk about something else uh i will go ahead uh, video games next uh, i don't know uh obviously i don't but matt's probably been playing much but uh connor you've you been playing much this week um, not a ton. I was hoping to be playing Final Fantasy VII Remake by now, but uh, the post is running a little slow. It was shipped out on Wednesday. We're recording this now on Saturday. It was shipped out on Wednesday, hopefully to arrive Thursday, but uh, didn't happen. It was first last post, but, you know, whatever. Uh, time, times are making things run slow. I get that. The problem is usually that would be, okay, fine, it'll probably arrive Friday, if not Saturday. 
However, Friday was Good Friday, which is a bank holiday, so no post. Saturdays today, I didn't arrive. Sunday is no post. Monday is a bank holiday for Easter Monday, so it won't arrive then, so there'll be no post. So I won't get it till Tuesday now, which is really goddamn annoying. <laughs> uh, so I'll be talking about that next week for sure. Uh, in the meantime, mm. I've actually just been playing a Call of Duty, um, uh, just grinding out uh, multiplayer for Modern Warfare, uh, finishing off season two with that finished last week, and then uh, once that finished, I haven't, I haven't jumped into season three yet. I actually uh, hopped over to uh, the the Modern Warfare remaster, and I've been playing through the the story for that on the the hardest difficulty. I'm about three missions from the end. Uh, I was doing that in, uh, before I jump into Modern Warfare two remaster. Um, I forgot how good that game actually is. Uh, it's it's dated a little in the sense of it's very much of that time where it's follow missions. You know, you just follow the the group and you're very much just the the camera and you know you shoot obviously, but you know you, you're not a participant in the story. Um, there it is. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, no, because the the story that's happening around you with all the other characters in your squad is is really quite good. Bunch of uh, boring over, soldier uh, dudes. Especially, especially over the course of the the trilogy. I should say I don't like first-person shooters, though. Yeah, I, yeah, need, I mean that's then it's not for you. Obviously. I need a character to to connect to. Um, yeah, to, through this. No, I get that. So. Um, but there is a mission towards the end called All Gillied Up, and it's a mission that, that I, I remember. If you talk, if you said that name to me, I'd, I'd immediately know the mission. It was is a particularly memorable mission. Please tell me you were in a ghillie suit and you have to hide in trees. Uh, yeah, well, a lot more, you know, tall grass than trees, but you're you're obviously wearing a ghillie suit. It's set, yeah. I, I mean, this came out, what, about 10 years ago now? So, you know, late 2000s, let's say 2008, 2009. And it was set 15 years ago, this mission. It's a, it's a, like a backstory mission. And it's in Chernobyl. And it's you, oh. and you're playing as your, your current, like your captain of your squad. You actually play as him for the mission. And it's his captain of the time, uh, he, this, this Scottish captain. And it's basically you, uh, the two of you going through Chernobyl, like this, you know, the the abandoned the exclusion. city. Yeah, yeah, and like, uh, and it, it's. Did you uh, find the graphite? <laughs> <laughs> no, although I'm sure it was probably a rad sub. That reactor four uh, go. Yeah, yeah but, but um, it is a phenomenally paced mission of just this because it's it's more on the rails than most of the missions even, where there is a set path you have to follow and you have to sneak past these enemies. You have to take these enemies out at this time with your you know, your, your captain. And uh, it has such excellent tension and, uh, you know, of, like, oh my God, are you going to get spotted? And, you know, you, you've got to take them out. Like, you got like, a really like short Spider-Man window. missions I wasn't that much of a fan of in Spider-Man. Yeah, but, it's, it, but it's all about that pacing and the atmosphere of yep. just walking through this this desolate place that that, that is, um, by all accounts, actually a really faithful recreation of, of, the, of the real place. That's cool. Uh, I've seen some, like, side-by-side shots that's uh, really impressive looking. If Jared um, Harris wasn't there warning you about the Rotogens, then I don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, way too late for that. <laughs> but uh, I know. real good mission. Uh, okay, I... Uh... So I, I did play some more Resident Evil 3, obviously, uh, sort of earlier in the week. But I actually, you know, I, I didn't play it all week. I kind of, after my sixth playthrough, I went, you know what, I'm going to take, take a break from this. <laughs> I just started yesterday uh, Pillars of Eternity. Um, didn't get super far yet, only just kind of created my character and went through kind of the, I guess, the tutorial area, more for, for lack of a better term. Um, I'm not entirely sure I picked a class that I like. I might start again with a new class. 
that was my. Oh, I wait, what is this game? Three hours of that game. It's a it's a really dense text heavy. Yeah, RPG. it's a it's oh, a, okay. it's an old school RPG where you have like a party, but you have your main character you make at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I I am really guilty in games like this of always being a human and always being either a, just a ranged like you know fighter or whatever. And I thought you so, know what I'm going to be different. I'm going to take something with some spells or something, and I'm going to be something uh-huh. another species, and I'm going to do something different. And I like my species. I'm happy with all that stuff. But I picked Priest for my character, and when I actually got to my first combat, and I looked at my spells, and I went, I don't think I like these spells that much. That's, that seems kind of boring. Priest. Well, Priest is a healer. Yeah, very healer, healer character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the description did not make it clear. I was, I was, I was reading. So, I mean, so the fact that like a, can get that off the name alone should probably yeah, yeah. give you a well, Shut up. Uh, I also, but see, I also like the stuff. Like, I wish I had a group to play Dungeons and Dragons with. Right? Sure. I, I love the idea. So. Once I learned about this stuff, like earlier in my life, I threw myself into it. You can, it was really the um, the Star Wars ones, the Old Republic, trying to find the difference in, in the Jedi, Consular, you know, Knight, and all these different ones, and the healing class. So, um, so Pete, you're you're typically like a like a ranged, like almost like a ranger type, bow and arrow from a distance. You don't like to get in the middle and Effort. mix it up. No magic. Yeah, if it's if we're talking yeah. a fantasy setting, then yeah, uh, that's yeah. Well, I'm I'm trying to think of what that is. You're, if this is superhero, you're you're a Green Arrow type, then right? You don't get up in there, you know. Um, I mean, if it was in the context of like a superhero world, I might feel differently because mm-hmm. it's not you know like right. Although if you're telling me like I can be Green Arrow or I can be Superman, no, I may pick this, Superman. This is very much <laughs> traditional sword and sorcery. You've got you know right. your, your your front line is cut into like barbarians paladins right. that sort right. of thing. i think I, I think i chose to be a paladin and uh it was all right but i was like you know what this is uh i'm, I'm not feeling it yeah so i, I might i'm not too far i may start again uh with a different class I'll, I'll keep everything else the same and just change my class uh but uh you know subsidian they made it uh to you know known for the rpgs uh the, the, but the, the text and the voice acting for some of the text is quite good so far and it's good yeah, I, oh, I actually really liked what I played. I played about three hours or so. I got past the first village and everything. Mm. Uh, and But then I was like, oh, I kind of want to play a different character. I'm not feeling my character. And, and I do this a lot with these sort of RPGs where I get a few hours in, I'm like, not feeling this character. I need to start again. And once I got a feel for how the game plays, yeah. I know what I want to do. I, just, I really wanted to play an RPG. And of course, some people were like, well, Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VII Remix out. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. But I mean, it's full price <laughs> for a start. Uh and second so did they change anything in this or is it just a higher res version oh the, the combat is no, completely different so, yeah the combat's completely is different basically the first like in the original game the the first mm-hmm. like five to six hour section maybe slightly longer depending on how you play mm-hmm. it is, uh, is in midgar uh that's mm-hmm. the city that you're in this is then blown up into a full 30 to 40 hour game for this first final fantasy 7 remake this is, this is essentially part one um it doesn't say that on the box but They've been very open about that since it was announced. So, so where, where's the break? Is is Eris the break? Uh, I'm not sure of the exact moments, but it's just uh-huh. that first yeah. city. So there's uh, going there's going to be a Final Fantasy VII two. That's what's going to happen in like three right, or four years. Be at least a two, maybe a three, depending on who you ask and how they split. I remember up. I got I got to Yuffie and then I got bored in the original. So I never even finished. I, I played the demo for the remake. I got a little bit bored of the combat, but I mean, it's early on, so there's not a lot of skills or whatever yet that you so can actually it, use. It's like Kingdom Hearts style RPG, where you, you make your, your group, I never, and they're all kind of... I've never played play. Kingdom Hearts, so I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> that first game was fun. 
I never played it. From what I've seen of like, uh, I saw when the third one came out. I mean, visually, stylistically, not a million miles away, I guess. So, it, it, but it's not turn based, like no, like it was no. originally. Yeah, which was uh, always uh, uh, yeah, because I would actually dig a turn-based game. Pause of Eternity is not actually turn-based though. It's it's got like a, a pause mechanic where you pause, you give your orders out to your party, it's, and then you unpause it. Just just for the sake Wait. of my, it's it's the Knights of the Old Republic system. Gotcha. Oh, Essentially, sure, okay. it's exactly the right, same right, as right. that. I mean, it's slightly right. modernized, but if, yeah. if you're familiar oh, with that, you, you've got this one. Because okay, um, it is very much it's a D and D game, uh, as right. Knights of the Old Republic was. You know, it's based on those right. uh, the, the, this rule set. It just does the rolls in real time. Yeah, I also I've been I've been playing I've been dabbling in golf with your friends, which was a cheap game on Steam, which is a really fun little mini golf game to play. Uh, I play with some people on stream uh, during the week, uh, and it got heated. Yeah, it got heated. Yeah. Well, when well, you're Scott's on, been getting heated over golf. Who would have guessed? When you're on the, uh, you know, you're on one of those courses where the 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 putts like up a little hill, and you keep just not mm-hmm. hitting hard enough, so it keeps rolling back down the hill. So- you get really frustrated. The the last time I was in California, we went for Ashley's birthday to Knott's Berry Farm. We found in Anaheim this this old school mini golf style place. So they have the windmill, they have the castle. When but you have to go down these hills, right? And once you get down the hills, there, you know, and the the further you go, the more complicated it gets. I put my ball in the water no less than eight times <laughs> trying to get it over this ramp where you have to hit it and. and you know, with me, subtlety is not not a key to mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. It's all or nothing. I could not get this ball. The the party behind us was having a field day and started taking bets on if I was going to get it this time. Um, so I, I get you, Pete. It's those ones suck. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it gets quite wacky because so when you get so the first course is just in the forest and it's kind of like more traditional mini golf for the most part. But yeah. then when you get to like the 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 space station like course, it's there's like mm-hmm. there's like anti gravity walls and there's right. like portals and stuff. So it gets yeah. wackier as you go on. Uh, but, yeah. But there's a, you can you can build your own courses though. So there's like an entire community of like people making That's courses cool. and sharing them. So there's kind of infinite to play in that See, sense. Yeah. Um, trying to remember, there was a a, a mini golf game. That I remember having on my computer years and years ago. We're not probably like twenty years ago now. That you every so often you get an exploding golf ball and it would waste your turn. <laughs> it was so maddening because you'd go to hit it and you would have your thing lined lined right up to sink it and it would explode. Yeah, they keep uh, uh, they keep trying to sell me good games because I just I just got an email there from Steam saying, "Hey, Sonic Mania is on sale. That's in your wish list. Uh, you know you want yeah, it." Yeah, yeah. There's a big sale on Switch games. I actually bought a Yu-Gi-Oh game. That that's uh, it's been on other consoles. I can't remember the exact. It's got a subtitle. It's the most recent Yu-Gi-Oh game. That was a big one. It's it covers like all of the show's stories, and um, you know, and, and then it has like a you know multiplayer. Yu-Gi-Oh was a show. Well. I thought it was like a board game, but okay. Card <laughs> game. It was it was a card game, it was but card also game. a TV show. It, was also a TV it had show. multiple shows. Uh, oh. uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it it plays like the the card game so, I mean, there's not really a lot to say about that if you're familiar with it then you, yeah, you know the every day. yeah no because i mean jurassic world evolution's on sale as well and it's something i've been toyed Ooh. with before uh if you want to build your own he plays the dinosaurs in that one right no no you build your own park it's like a oh that's the build your own park one it's a park management game Ooh. it's like zoo tycoon Shoot. but with yeah yeah yeah, yeah i got gotcha. you <laughs> yeah so yeah so i've been i've been yeah, kind of no, dabbling one of those for the ipad it was a jurassic park ipad game but it got to the point where he had to pay to win, uh, and it yeah. we could never unlock the T Rex, no matter what we did. Um, it was very, very, very uh, most most uh, mobile games are kind of yeah. like that. designed for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I know, but it was just 
we we would run this park and you know i was happy because i got triceratops right like my favorite dinosaur so you know you'd probably um, enjoy evolution then yeah probably well wait does claire show up <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> damn i don't think so uh, you get five islands, you know, the five deaths. Ooh, the five deaths. Yeah. And you, so you start off in one island, you get to expand to the others. I've, I've seen people play a bits of it, and you, you know, you, yeah. uh, you know, I, so, I, I just started Pills of Eternity, though, so I'm trying to not buy more games, especially since I'm trying to still buy it by parts for computer. I just ordered my case and my cooler for my CPU, mm -hmm. so I'm trying to not spend money on games that I don't need. So you said on Twitter a, a 4,000 card. I took that as four thousand dollars. Like, <laughs> no. What is he important from us? No, 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 no. And then no. I looked it up. I was like, oh no, that's the model of card. That card's like eighty bucks. That, that's understandable. Uh, well, no, it doesn't exist yet. Uh, so what, what I was saying on Twitter, gotcha. just to clarify, just in case people are confused about what Matt just said, is that yeah, I'm weighing up the you know buying a graphics card before the new ones coming out because we don't know how long these three thousand cards are going to be delayed. That's the next generation on Nvidia cards. But my my one selling point, if I do cave and buy a card before then, is that I don't have to feel guilty when the next gen comes out, the four thousand cards. I can get one straight away because right. I didn't get a three thousand right. card. So it's it's the long game of no guilt. <laughs> gotcha. The long so game. So I looked up a a, a a you know video card for it's four thousand. Uh. This stuff came up and it was like. 80 bucks. I was like, yeah. oh, that's probably a, probably a laptop chipset with that. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that'll be nothing. Yeah, no. I mean, no, garbage cards are expensive. I mean, we're talking like $400, yeah. $500 for a good one here. But, gotcha. uh, but I saw 4000 I was like, this mother, how well are we doing on Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's doing he's no, no, a $4,000 no. card. And then I was like, wait, Tim would have attacked him way quicker. No, uh, my, my entire system I, won't cost 4000 or even close to it. Yeah, so yeah, don't, yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> Gotcha. Shows you how much I know about. I just know I have a MacBook and it works how I want it to, and that's that's. I'm happy. So, Although I don't use it right now, uh, Ashley's using it for work, so of course. It, it makes things very different. Luckily, I have my iPad to run everything that I need off of it. But yeah, it's it's Paige. Uh, Paige was asking me the other day. She goes, "So you know, a friend from from work. She's looking at buying a new laptop. Can you give me a suggestion?" I went, "What, what does she want it for?" She goes. Oh, just like basic stuff. She doesn't. She doesn't want a dedicated gaming laptop like I've got. And I went, that can't help me then. I, I don't know anything about it. yeah. When it comes, she because yeah. it needs to be good enough to to play like the sim, the, the last Sims game, and like a couple of other little bits. Right. But not too good that it's like got an actual graphics card. I'm like that can't help you. I, I, I don't go below that like below that level. I don't know anything about the laptops. I can look at them all and be like, <laughs> yeah, sure. But integrated graphics, pff, all beyond me. Yeah, below that level. I mean, I don't deal with peasant machines. <laughs> that was basically my reaction. I was like, "You're on your own." <laughs> um, yeah. So now I'm getting close though. I, after after those last couple, but I just need to get hard drives, my PSU, and then I'm onto the graphics card. So uh, I might even be building the machine in a couple of months. Uh, so the delay, the delivery's taking longer for these items, but that makes sense just because what's going on. Everything is on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. I. <laughs> I ordered practice pucks, and they won't be here for like another week and a half. But it's not, it's not, yeah. it's not even like I can build it once they arrive anyway, because they're not even the final part, so they yeah. don't really matter. It's whatever. Yeah. Right. yeah, I know here Amazon are prioritizing food. So like if you've got like Prime, for mm -hmm. example, food deliveries will still come like the next day. Uh, but if you order like right. electronics, it'll have like a five or six yeah. day. Yeah. And not even like because they can't ship it. It's just like uh, we, we're not even going to look at shipping that for, for a while. We're pushing it down the queue. Yeah, so we, we ordered a fan to prep for summer for downstairs because our old one died. Um, and so Ashley ordered it, 
And that, that came fairly quick, like not next day prime, but within a couple days. But my, my practice hockey pucks that, that roll on concrete like ice, um, those aren't coming for a minute. So th- those are down lower, which understandable. I'm not, yeah. Don't don't take this as me complaining. Yeah. It's it's like it's frustrating yeah. in a very like first yeah. world problem way, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I got so used to my next day Amazon Prime delivery, and now yeah, I'm gonna yeah. wait like a week. It's yeah. frustrating in that sense. But like at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like no, I totally understand. It's like it's like what I was saying about yeah, waiting on the on the on the post for for Final mm-hmm. Fantasy Seven. It's like it's frustrating because because of when it's fallen with the bank, I've got to wait like five extra days when I right. want to be playing the game. But I get it. I'm not like I'm not mad about it. Just I'm just a little yeah. bit annoyed. Hmm. So yeah, uh, that's basically like gaming wise. I don't have any super deep dives to go into, so we can switch over to any comic books. I'll, I'll just quickly say that I didn't. Um, I did. I actually downloaded my comicsology, uh, Kelly Thompson's Hawkeye. I planned on starting that for this show so that I could have you know to see I give my first impressions on it. it. Unfortunately, my uh, my quiz making took like twice as long as I thought it would, so I didn't actually get any read. But so I, next week I should have I some of that. To- do I need to read Fractions first, or can I just jump? Because I downloaded I don't her. think so. Okay. I haven't okay. read it, but as far as I know, you can just jump in. Yeah, I wouldn't have okay. thought so. As long as you just know, hey, Kate Bishop's Hawkeye, you're, I mean, you're good, right? I, yeah. I, like, I like Fractions runs, so I mean, I'd recommend it. Yeah, but... well, I, I have that too. I've had that for a while, which I might go. I know Pete told me to go to. I asked the guys if I should read uh, All New Wolverine, Tom Taylor. Yes. Uh, or <laughs> or Matt Fractions, Hawkeye. Yes. Um, to prep for kelly thompson's and uh yeah so i mean but shoot really pete's wrong. reading it no i can't i know oh. and i can read multiple at one time i just in my brain right now oh, my, i've my just God. been like it's like rolling a ball down a hill <laughs> i'm just gonna keep going until i'm done with whatever story i'm reading um yeah, so, uh, so I, I will read some of that for next week. Uh, maybe the first trade or so, or maybe more. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see, I'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, so what have you been reading, Matt? So I finished Fallen Stones. Um, I was about half through last week. Uh, I finished all of that, and oh man, I highly recommend it. Um, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, you should give it a read. The fact that, that Mark Russell made me care about the fate of their vacuum cleaner is... It's one of the things, and it still doesn't sit well with me, not, not to go into spoilers. Oh, man, he's he's so good. Let him write with whatever. Like, I want to see him do something that's not so satirical. Um, I want to see him do, like, because I did like his Sinestro story and his Black, and he didn't do Black Mask. He had Sinestro and Riddler. I, I like both of those. So, um, that, and then I jumped straight from that to finishing Charles Soule's Darth Vader. So Pete can tune out for a minute. Um, so good. Pete, okay, so so I know Connor. So you read all of that, right? I read it as it was coming out, yeah. So I I was reading. I, I stopped. I was on the third trade when I went how to many, Disneyland. How many there in the end? Four, or four, five? four. Okay, and I had started reading. So on on Rise of the Resistance, it's not a spoiler, but you have a you meet a new Mon Calamari character named Lieutenant Beck. Um, full full animatronic of him. It's super rad. Um, and as I'm reading this and going through that. I hit the Mon Calamari part of Vader's mission, uh, burning uh, seats. What's, which... uh, what's really interesting is at the same sort of time in the mm-hmm. main Star Wars book, uh, yeah. it was during Gillen's run. Yeah. He had either just finished or was just doing an arc mm-hmm. set on Mon Calamari as well. Uh, and the way these two paralleled reading kind of at the same time, it wasn't yeah. like a crossover or anything. It was just mm-hmm. seeing them at different points. Thematically. In time. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. So 
Um, so, so I also finished Rebels, finally, this week. So it's a very Star Wars-focused week for me. Tears, I will just uh, say. I, I don't write that with you. Happened. Um, and, and whatnot. So I will put Charles Soule up there with Dave Filoni as one of, if his name's attached to anything Star Wars, give it your which, attention. Which it still is, very much right, so. Which, which I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I guess I have no excuse now. I was going to wait for the first trade. But I have the first two issues sitting there that I bought of, of his Star Wars, so I might as well give it, give it a go. Yeah. And we've got um, his uh, High Republic. He's doing a novel yeah. that coming later this year. So so excited for that. Um, uh, but his Vader, the stuff that happens. So Burning Seas was great. It's probably my favorite story in that. Like it, it's up there with with uh, Gillen's, where he went to the lava planet, the mining planet, and basically instilled a coup and put the new ruler in. Yeah. That's probably my favorite Darth Vader story that I've I've read. Granted, there's there's I haven't read a lot, but that one's up there. Burning Seas is up there with that one because the Inquisitorius and just the Jedi that he has to to come up against that he's butting heads with, and just the whole story with Moncala, they they are so important to the Star Wars mythos. It's ridiculous. Mm. Right? So and just seeing how this all plays out and why Moncala is there's always Moncala involved in the rebellion, and this goes back and explains it. So Soul is so good at dealing with these little pieces of Star Wars that he can expand, uh, and then you get to Fortress Vader, which I wasn't a big fan of. There are parts of it that I really, really enjoy. Um, the the kind of meta parts of it I enjoy more. Yeah. There was a part where you could tell throughout the whole run that he's not a fan of the Inquisitorius, right? Um, but he executes two of them in the Fortress Vader story, and I'm not 100% certain why. I don't know if that's going to pay off later. But he basically accused them of, of treason, and there's no proof of it whatsoever. Um, um, Kurt, they were just, wrong. I, 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 again, because this was a while ago I read this right. now. This was right. huh, probably about a year ago. Yeah. Um, if I recall, I think it was just that insecurity of, hey, these are growing strong. I don't want a replacement. Right. I don't want the Emperor looking to replace me anytime soon. Right, and that's what I took it as, but he accused them of, of treason because they had affection towards each other, which, as a team, you want, right? Like, Yeah, you know. I think that, that's part of, again, that, you know, uh, squashing that whole, yeah. um, you know, Jedi. It, it, it kind of comes under that, you know, no affection, right. no attachment sort of thing. Right, and so, you know, he does that, and he's, but he goes to build, which I have never been a fan of him having a fortress on Mustafar. Like, once they put that in official canon in Rogue One, I had a massive eye roll. I know it was something that George wanted to do. Like he had this big Gothic castle idea for, I forget which one. I think it was supposed to be Empire. Um, I just was never a fan of it. But Soul takes that little piece and he's like, you know what? You know why this is here? There's a, a dark side locust here, which means also there must be a light side one because we learned in, in uh, Last Jedi. They usually, it's a yin and yang kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, there's always balance. Right. So there's a dark side center here, and almost a Sith put kind of a temple. And through another soul device, the Mask of Mammon, which popped up in Souls Lando, um, which this is, which should come as no surprise. As a DC Comics fan, I love continuity. So the fact that Souls using continuity here through Star Wars, yeah, it's fantastic. I, I think that's something that, that, for the most part, I think the the Lucasfilm story group have been really good at across mm -hmm. various mediums as well. Right. Uh, like Soul had it easy here because it was his own work yeah. he's pulling from. Right. But when you see them pulling from other writers and other mm -hmm. ideas just across, you know, things from books showing up in yeah. 
in comics. Uh, the 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 collaboration and whoever's doing the editorial on these things yeah. doing a pretty good job. So so he pulls from his stuff and he there's this character of Mammon who was a I wouldn't call he was a Sith per se. He was a dark side user that he used art as a way to commune with the dark side. And if you're a fan of his Swamp Thing run, towards the end there, he gets into what it means to be a creator and have creative. And he, he it ends up becoming one of these realms, right, of, you know, the green and the red and information. Um, and here's the, the opposite flip side of that. The good that comes with creation is the bad and how Mammon is this being driven by pure ego of legacy and how that balances with Vader why he's building this this temple basically his fortress is a temple to the dark side to funnel the energy that ends up giving mom a, a place to revive himself uh and vader having to come to terms with this and he ends up stepping into the dark side and there was this cool thing throughout the, his vader run that when vader would would meditate like you'd see him in a chamber in the movie he would go into this dark side form of himself which is just a torso um and it's super creepy, but yeah. he ends up stepping into the dark side, and there's stuff revealed here, which I won't spoil, because if you're any type of Star Wars fan, you should have read this by now. I was slow on the update, despite being a, a soul fan. I just didn't have time. Now I'm going to make time. Um, there's stuff here that is so cool and plays with that. I brought up Rebels because it plays with the world beyond worlds and the whole cosmic force, which I'm really not a fan of. I like the natural force more than anything. But this goes into that cosmic force and why Vader's the chosen one and and whatever. And if he really is, or if it's all just right. misdirection and just right. you know, intentional reading, it's it's real deep stuff. I could not put this down. I stayed up on Wednesday to watch NXT live, which I usually don't do, but because of the Gargano Champa match, I couldn't go to sleep because all the charged up from wrestling and, and the ending of that match. So I sat there and read like four issues of Fortress Vader, and then as as this is being built, I could not stop thinking about it. So again, it's soul and the whole thing of obsession being a part of the dark side and going like, oh my God, I'm falling for it. Uh, it's just so good. It is. Like, uh, and then the only other thing I read this week was I I basically finished Coates' uh, Captain America because this is the last one for, for right now. Um, and the stuff that he's doing there, how it's not so Still subtly. Fantastic. Yeah, it's not so subtly hinting at what's going on in this country right now. However, him introducing Peggy, who I'm a huge fan of in the movies, and what she means, almost as being a spirit, almost like Uncle Sam. That's the vibe mm -hmm. I'm getting from it. I don't know if you're caught up, Connor. Uh, yeah, uh, I am. I've got maybe okay. one issue to go. I don't yeah. think so, though. Oh, so you already saw that, her spirit of, yeah. of rebellion and revolution. and She's been there for everything. I like how that what that means for Cap going forward. Like He is almost this Uncle Sam figure that can be corrupted like Hydra did. Or it can yeah, be the, the whole run's been kind of built on that crux yeah. of this is the image of, of mm -hmm. Captain America uh, after uh, the whole you know, Hydra Evil Steve thing right. that, that was done a while back. And, and it so, is all revolving around him kind of redeeming that image and if it's possible to or not. Right, right. So really, really, really good. So yeah, so I finished Flintstones. I got super into Soul's Vader. And, you know, Soul's, he's definitely up there. If I had to name a top five writers for anything... I think Sol has firmly cemented himself in there right now. Uh, and then Coates is um, getting caught up. I started, before we started recording, I was starting to get caught up on Immortal Hulk. So by next week, I'll be fully caught up because I'm going to finish all of my recent comics right now. 
before yeah. I jump into, I think it's going to be Hawkeye now, so I can balance Fractions Hawkeye with Pete if he's going to do Kelly Thompson. And then mm-hmm. I'll eventually get there. So, but but yeah. So that's what I was reading. Sorry, sorry for that Star Wars detour there, Pete. Oh, it was right. comics relevant, to be fair. Yes, it was. Uh, Connor, do you want to talk about anything? <laughs> yeah, I read some stuff. I uh, I finished off uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil, and the, the the big part is I read uh, Born Again afterwards, uh, which was pretty fantastic. Uh, I, I I said a lot about my thoughts on the the overall run uh, last week, so I won't go into that too much. But uh, Born Again uh, was yeah pretty pretty damn stellar. Um, it really did take this this concept, kind of reinvent it, throw it fresh, and uh, it changed up a lot of things. But you know, it, it still felt very familiar with what Miller's run had just been, mm-hmm. with, uh, where he was doing, you know, what he was doing with like Kingpin and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, really kind of pushed it forward, and it was interesting to kind of see, okay, this guest writer come back and do this arc, and really just push forward this book with some momentum. Kind of just like, hey, you know, I, I did it for a while. I pushed a lot of things forward, which obviously he did, you know, with, with all the things mm-hmm. he created in his run. And then he, he left for, a, you know, a few years and people did stuff. And I haven't read anything in there, but it feels like maybe maybe it was getting a bit stagnant. And, and they went, hey, do you want to come back and just, just give it a push in, in a new direction? And, you know, and then someone else kind of, you know, runs with that and, and kind of went with that. And I think if that's what the, the editorial goal was, uh, absolutely knocked out of the park. Because it, it feels completely fresh and revived um, after that book. Uh, yeah, uh, so born against the which story is this one? Is this the one with Karen Page? Yeah, Karen Page and the Nuns. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's it's all that stuff going on. Um, uh, it, it was a an interesting one with 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 Karen Page in particular because obviously she was not featured in Miller's run at all. Right. And then by the time you get to this, there's all, all this history, which I'm assuming happened between their runs, but I don't know. Maybe it happened before Miller's mm-hmm. run. I don't actually know. Um, but the, there's it, it plays off of this history, but it works in, in a way that if you haven't read it, it kind of doesn't matter. It kind of right. gives you everything you need, and uh, it, it plays uh, quite well in that regard. It makes it very yeah. clear what she knows, what she doesn't know, and then you know what how that it, plays it. But it's crazy how much we know about Daredevil is only rooted in stuff that was. Same age as me, right? Like, yeah. like only thirty-five years. Percent of Daredevil's major yeah. beats and characters mm-hmm. is is okay in, in Miller's stuff from you know, the the mid to late right. 80s. Right, and then and then you have the the Bendis and Brubaker stuff that, that stands out next. You know that that builds on that. Well, you also have Kevin Smith in the in between those. But yeah, it's man, it's crazy when you think about that. When I mean, you could say it's kind of the same about Batman, but you have the whole Silver Age. To John too. That's There's kind a lot of important. more history there, where there is a lot of these older stories that kind of got reworked into into canon mm-hmm. in various ways. That yeah, things like that, like, you know, it didn't it didn't come into play as much. Right. Um, but yeah, no. But Born Again was excellent. Um, uh, so I really enjoyed that. And then after that, I uh, I actually started reading uh, Doctor Strange: The Oath. Ooh, bring it uh, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think I read the first two issues of that last night. Mm. Uh, enjoying it a lot so far actually um i will almost certainly finish that and start something else in the next week or so and i'll probably report and I, I, i'll be honest i spent a lot of my time this week watching tv yeah other than oh, we I, can touch on that real quick when we're done yeah yeah well, i don't have any more comics to talk about so if you yeah. want to do a little bit of tv um real quick with with 
did you read Doctor Strange or Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange? Uh, no. Okay. no I, that I, might be the... I dabbled in a... Well, maybe I read an issue or two. I dabbled yeah. in a couple of runs over the past you know, five mm-hmm. years or so where I tried a few issues and it's not really grabbed me, but The yeah. Oath is a pretty major story, I thought. I mean, no, it is. I just was wondering because I know how much you like Aaron. Um, it's probably the most disappointed I've been with an Aaron work. Oh. Um, just I, I like what he tries where he's... Like, all magic has a cost, which that's a big theme with mm-hmm. stories of magic. It goes a little bit too far, and he almost does the, the you know, um, God Slayer, but with magic. That's and interesting. It's like, you're, you're running the same beats back, but the, it's not like he was going to connect them ever. It's not yeah. like there's a Thor, you know, Doctor Strange crossover with these two. It's just, it's very, I don't know. I, I put Aaron up there very, very high. So it was just it wasn't what I wanted to do. Although the art is pretty pretty good for Doctor Strange, but yeah, I was just curious if you had. All right. Uh, yeah, if you watch TV, if you want to talk about TV, uh, a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's something that I have not really done. I would say, like, I mean, obviously, I'm doing stuff for review uh, that right. I'm watching weekly and. I uh, mean, Carl, just uh, speaking, uh, good enough time to plug as any. If you're a patron uh, at MailFuzz, uh, TV on Patreon.com, you can, uh, starting next week, you'll get a, an exclusive uh, audio-only already cancelled, which is me and Connor sort of reviewing an episode of a TV show every week uh, of, of an older series. So we, we started Six Feet Under, we just recorded the first one, like, yesterday. So uh, that's starting. But that, that's a little like, noble thing. I, I, haven't, I mean... Ever since we started doing TV reviews uh, for Mailfest TV, I, I, I've really watched TV that's not for that. No, I yeah. agree. I've actually been in the same boat, which is why over the last two or three months, I kind of made a point of, no, I actually want to try and watch some stuff for myself because I haven't done in years, really, yeah. at this point. Outside of outside of Rebels, which was kind of the only thing that I was watching consistently outside of what we reviewed. Yeah, the, the, the only yeah. stuff that I watched outside of what we reviewed typically is comedies. Uh, actual hour-long dramas and it's just because it, it takes so much time and you know i spend so much time reviewing tv shows anyway that i'd rather yeah. spend it on movies or i'd rather spend it on video games or, or whatever no, i get that it was it was for me i was like there's there's so many tv shows that i know i want to watch and i've wanted to watch for a long time that they've been on my list and you're never going to want to watch them it's like you know shows like that where i'm like well there's i'm never gonna you know okay i'm never gonna do a review with them i'm never gonna get an excuse if i don't just watch them so i've kind of mm-hmm. made a point of trying to watch stuff uh, so you know, over the last few months, I watched all of Avatar: The Last Airbender. I spoke about that recently, and I've been going through uh, the, uh, the Legend of Korra, obviously, Korra, the sequel, yeah. uh, which is real good. I'm like towards the end of season two now, but uh, really digging that in the way it's kind of evolved from the original show. Yeah, yeah. From what I hear, I, I should check that out, but you know, um, yeah, I, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, yeah, real solid. Um, but honestly, actually, you know, the other day I started watching classic Doctor Who. Uh, you know, I've, I've mm-hmm. dabbled here. I've watched at least a handful of episodes from mm-hmm. you know, each Doctor, so en- enough to be familiar. But right. I've never properly watched all of it. Like, um, so, who's your favorite Doctor? Uh, as of right now, I, I will stick with my my classic answer of uh, of Tennant. Um, okay. Uh, but I mean, Palace is obviously. I, I while I've dabbled now, mm-hmm. uh, I was at an age when when the newer show started where. I hadn't seen any before that, so I kind of came gotcha. in with Eccleston, as did you know many people now. Many people did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't feel like ashamed or anything, but yeah, I've gone gone back and watched, and enough that I've got a, a flavor of each Doctor, and, and Tennant's still my favorite, but maybe be watching kind of all of it that'll change. I say all. It's, all, it's almost yeah. like if it was the New Fifty Two, except 
yeah. as if the new 52 there was like years without any comics before that as if there was like right. a long gap with nothing and then new 52 hit that, that's kind of what the doctor 2005 was like because yeah. it... except pretty well regarded as <laughs> oh sure <laughs> as yeah I, I just mean the sense yeah. of bringing in new people a lot of yeah. people started so, there because it was like the new fresh relaunch right so like who was this thing that I was very resistant to because when i started hanging out on the internet with other people like-minded it was this thing that I tried to watch back when sci-fi here brought it up with Eccleston. And I was like, what is this is like weird. And I just, I was hesitant to it. But by the time I started talking to people, Tana had become the doctor and then Matt Smith had become the doctor. And it, it was up to this point where it was almost like a cult and I was tired of hearing about it. So I was just like, I don't care about you. And I'll never forget our friend Stu calling. He's like, isn't that that stupid show where the guy runs around with a magic spanner? And I was just like, I mean, screwdriver, but yeah, right. But still, just him yeah. with the flippant, I hate this. I was like, oh, I like Stu, <laughs> you know, like because we we bonded over our dislike of, of of who. And then I actually watched a couple seasons. I've watched most of Tenet. The, the one that sticks out mostly is Andrew Garfield playing a, a New Yorker with a very bad accent to when he'd go and play Spider Man with also a bad accent. Um, I think that was it. So it was the day of the Dalek where they attack uh, during oh, uh, the in like the in like the, the yeah. 20s or 30s or whatever it is. Yeah. It's like the Empire State Building is kind of being built. Yeah. And I, was yeah. Like, I, I got bored. Some of the weaker, weakest episodes in, in that season. Yeah. Say that. I, I, I got bored. And so I never went back. Although I keep being told Alden is, is bound set and determined that Matt, I would love Matt Smith's Doctor. Um, uh, you were like. Matt Smith's Doctor is is a fairy tale, and I mean that in a yeah. really positive way because yeah. I really like Matt Smith's Doctor. Is is that when the Neil Gaiman stuff starts coming in? Where they uh, yeah, I think in? he has a couple episodes in. Matt yeah, Smith's that's. Yeah. I think that's what he sold it on me. He's like, oh, you you like how, because he knows how much I like the Norse mythology, takes that he yeah. did, you know. So. I think he did an episode. I think it was. I think it was him that did the episode, which is a. Essentially, the TARDIS had like a, a personality personified and projected yeah. as an actual like woman. Uh, and it was like you know this the relationship between the doctor and his TARDIS, and it, it was gotcha. a fantastic episode. I think I think that was Gaiman. Gotcha. Pretty sure. But yeah, um, he's bound to determine. There's that, and I and he the 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 bleeding angel, weeping angels, whatever the hell they're called, Wink. Wink. Yeah, he's told me to just to watch that, and I was like, I can't. I, uh, no, I do the Connor are, where I can't was, watch it out of order. I get it. There, I, I get it. Yeah. There are so many people though who have just watched Blink as their first episode yep. of Doctor Who, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really like soft entry point in the sense that there's actually yeah. not a lot of the Doctor in it. There's not a lot of flamboyant mm. things running around. Right. There's just the idea taken to the extreme, and it's uh, right. it is one of the best episodes of of. of no, is that uh, is that Matt Smith or is that Tennant? Uh, no, that's Tennant. Okay, uh, that's in season three. I'm pretty sure. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I might have to. You know, all things being, I'm, I'm going to finish Legends of Tomorrow because I just remembered I need to finish that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like DC's Doctor Who, right? Um, kind of. I mean, yeah, away, so I, suppose, I, I need, I need, I need to get to Bubo. I still have yet to get to Bubo. Bebo, Bebo, whatever. Bebo. Um, yes. So, but yeah. Um, anything else before I, I ramble? No, no, ramble away. Yeah, go gotcha, for gotcha. it. Well, Pete. So I, I, I finally finished Silicon Valley, which I was, I was saving, because uh, that's a show I can just binge. And I sat down one day and watched all of the last season, and um, it, it ends fairly well. It's it goes from the satire of of the tech industry to being the satire of complete culture in that last season um, and, and the places that it goes. You could tell that Kumail had gotten jacked in between. 
because suddenly his character shirts are fitting differently and he has like <laughs> bodybuilder shoulders and it's just weird because he's supposed to be this tech guy that sits behind a desk all day um so i thought that was pretty funny but yeah the place that it goes with 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 how it ends the series is is very fitting um it, it ends with a 10 year later jump which is kind of cool so i don't know if you guys have ever watched silicon valley no but yeah, it's for my money it's one of the the tightest comedy shows just because they they have the eight nine episodes a season and they just full go with with the with the jokes and martin Starr's gilfoyle reminds me of one of my friends so much that i texted him go hey do you get royalty checks for this because clearly this is based on you like what was it like to meet mike judge you know um but yeah so so i i finished that i'm all i'd say i'm all caught up on saul last week not all caught up to this season so we have a couple episodes left this season just two i think there's two okay so then i'll start in two weeks once once i know i can get this season done episode eight was just there was a biggie uh gotcha oh yeah yeah but i finished season four i'm not as high on it as as you guys are like it's a good show it's because you're a terrible person that's fine (laughs) um but like and i see our our friend uh daniel's also real big on it saying like it's better than breaking bad i don't know if i agree um but i i do think that uh, binging breaking bad was different than watching it week to week so maybe i think i need to watch it week to week and i'd have a different appreciation for saul but watching them all as they go, I don't know if it's sinking in with me like Breaking Bad did. Um, but it's fine. Like I, I, it, it's a nice. I don't want to say prequel series. So that's not really the point of it. But I, I, I like seeing where Saul came from. Like in season four, you get his origin of where the name came from. Mm-hmm. So I liked all the stuff with the phones and how he he ran his scam to get uh, was it Lavelle, who was who was the big guy that was with uh, Bill Burr on the season uh, on Breaking Bad. Um, but we, we saw the thing to keep him out of jail. I thought that was classic, Saul. But just like some of the stuff with, with the brother and the... Like, I don't I don't know. It's just not res- it's not hitting with me, like all the stuff on Breaking Bad did. Oh, man. Everything um, with Chuck, I thought it was phenomenal. But you can, yeah. if you want to hear me and Carl like, talk about it in depth yeah. every single episode, you can go find that uh, on yeah. the YouTube page. And, it, or... and that might be piece two that I'm not part of the larger conversation. So with Breaking Bad towards the end there, I'd gotten caught up with, I think, season three or four. So by the time they started airing, I was being able to be part of a larger conversation with everybody. And I think that adds to it. Um, I don't know. So, um, but but now I'm looking for a TV show. Um, I'm, I'm, I've ran out of stuff. So it's either I'm going to start Stumptown or Veronica Mars. I'm not certain. But either way, I think those are more my jam. And I can fit in Legends of Tomorrow. Those are like, yeah. You know, Pieces yeah. of candy, you know. Uh, it's just easy watching, isn't it? Yeah, like it's. I can watch like four of them in a row and forget, like, oh man. Um, yeah. yeah. It's funny because there, there's a lot of content going around right now with like people doing like live watches with mm-hmm. directors and writers and yeah, and all sorts. There's a lot of great media in that vein. If you if you want to look into that yeah. stuff, uh, it's funny actually. They're they're doing like Doctor Who ones every week at the minute. And I know That's tonight good. was actually that that Neil Gaiman episode with uh, the yeah. the doctor the, the doctor and the TARDIS. Um, so yeah, it's all nice. live tweeted stuff that you can go and follow. And, yeah, um, I do know uh, CM Punk and Mark Millar, which are two names that I don't think I'd want to watch live tweets on. They live tweeted Ghostbusters together, like not together together, 
but they both were watching it and putting out tweets at the same time with the hashtag. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a big thing right now. And there's um, the uh, the live readings as well. Like I know uh, yeah. Kevin Conroy just uh, did one for, or is doing one yeah. for that um, new Batman animated comic, that digital yeah. first one that we've mentioned. Yeah. Uh, doing like a, a reading of that, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Like you know, mm-hmm. just the the way that you know, all these things are kind of being done because like, well, what else are we going to do? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I like all this sort of content. That's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that'll take us on to the final thing we're going to do before we wrap up, which is me talking about Flash Forward issue six, which was purchased as a as a as a tip uh, sort of purchase on one of the live streams, which I do uh, a couple times a week. David's making me do this. Uh, he gave me a choice. I don't know what the tech because there was like he told me he gave me two to pick from, and this was the lesser of the two evils. At least in my judgment at the time, that's what it felt like. Anyway, uh, I will say this. Flash Forward issue 6 is mercifully not a long read. It, you know, it went in pretty quickly. Um, it, it felt nice to have skipped most of the book. <laughs> it felt nice to just sort of jump in, because it's basically Wally spending one last perfect day with his kids, with Jay and Irie, who have just... He's just found kind of in the multiverse or whatever. Uh, and Tempest is like, no, you've got, you've got to take this position on the Morbius chair. you got to do this. And... You know, it's 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 one of those things where I didn't quite get like what age the kids were supposed to be in this comic because I assumed coming into it that they were going to be just kind of where they left off. But I think Brett Booth's art was just a little bit weird because they were still talking like they were the same age as before. But I swear, I, I Iris looked like she was like fifteen, sixteen. So that was there was like a disconnect there that wasn't quite working for me. Uh, and the way the way they spoke was definitely still kiddie though. Uh, where Wally's like, ah, oh, you forget the tickle monster, and Iris is like, yeah, yeah, let me at him, Dad. Like it, all of it felt like very young and kiddy, uh, dialogue wise. Uh, but basically, he's spending this one happy day, and he he asks Tempest to make sure he gets them home to, you know, to, to Linda, which is kind of the, the the sort of happier ending that side of the book where you see her get her memories back, and she's with her kids, and they're all happy to be together. But Wally has given up his life to be on the chair and he's merged with whatever Manhattan put in the chair, uh, with the chair itself, where he's like, no, we we used to be Wally West, we used to be the Mobius chair, but now we are something new. We are some, we are someone else. We are something else. Uh, and it says, to be contained in Flash 750, which we did read that story, and of course it's yeah, meant, to go, it's meant to go into Generation Zero next, which <laughs> obviously, we'll see where that goes. Conveniently isn't happening now without Free Public mm-hmm. Day. So, yeah, we'll you see. know, there's been... One of my friends put up a post today about what's your favorite global pandemic conspiracy theory. <laughs> and I just remembered that should have been mine is that DC did this to not have to do, you know, an, I'm an sure they're going to blame DDO. excuse to, to, to fix yep. whatever yeah. mess they were in. Yep, yep. Yeah, and, f- and someone has asked Snyder how Wally or Manhattan fit into death metal. And he says that they do. It's not a big thing. But that whatever Manhattan did in Doomsday Clock mm. has has a thread in Death Metal. Yeah, the way it sounded to so, me was more like he's picking up on something from Doomsday yeah. Clock, which is so it's indirectly right. tied to Manhattan because obviously that was all mm-hmm. Manhattan related, but not not. The, I don't think we should expect Manhattan to show up or anything like that. No, no, no. But there's a thread there of of you. You know, mm. haven't read Doomsday Clock? Go go read it. You have plenty of time right now. Why have you not read it already? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, he did say that this will not that it was a fix, but 
he wrote this in mind to put Doomsday Clock in line some way. Interesting. Uh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, we'll, this... uh, we'll, we'll get to the book eventually, but, I'm sure. But, you know, but Snyder also has a tendency of doing that on Twitter where he says stuff that doesn't pan out exactly, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he does it on purpose or he's just, no, this I... is off the top of his head. You know what I, I mean? I don't think it's either. I think he's just really enthusiastic about his yeah. stories. Yeah. Uh, like, I believe that there's a genuine like passion there that he he'll say something that he's got an idea that that kind of works in his mind, but maybe it's smaller than than he actually yeah. realizes, and he kind of blows it up not intentionally, but just more. Right. When someone asks him and he talks about it, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I've got this idea." He and is, it, it connects as, to this. Yeah, as someone that uh, has met him and talked to him about my favorite Third American Vampire, he had told me this is six, seven years ago now. Watch out for Gus, who's, who's a character that shows up later. He'll he'll have a big role. I am still waiting for Gus to have this you, big role. You know what? Snyder reminds me of uh, from the gaming industry, uh, Peter Molyneux, who had a a huge reputation for just massively blowing the games that yeah. he was working on out of proportion. I mean, like yeah. this is going to be huge. We're doing this thing. We're doing that. We're doing this. Yeah. And I'm sure at the time. He's not lying. This this was something in plans that that was like, okay, I want to do this, but you know, but it doesn't come together with t- technology, time, whatever the reason, things change. You know, it's a it's a fluid production. But he just opens his mouth too early every single time, and I feel like that way. It's Snyder's maybe in a similar boat where he's so enthusiastic about the stuff he's working on that he wants to share, and uh, and sometimes that that doesn't pan out with the way the story actually goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just you know. Now I'm like, do I need to read Second Cycle? I have time. <laughs> you have to? I mean, no. Could you? No. Definitely. Yeah. Should you? Maybe. Maybe that's what he was talking about. I just, I got two issues in. I'm like, this is not the American Vampire I remember. He's definitely like, thinking about American Vampire. Well. Can, I, yeah, can yeah. I finish this issue before you go on more tangents? Just... Have you yeah. not done with it yet? No, I'm not done with it. Sorry. Thought you were done. I no, just, anyway, so the, the the other big thing that's in the issue is that he he uh, so so the the dark multiverses always only exist for a, a small period of time because they're basically the worst case scenarios, the worst mm-hmm. nightmares of a of a world. But the idea is is that and this is stuff that I didn't understand completely because I assume this is what the rest of the, the book went into, and I'm just getting the tail end of this, mm-hmm. but. The what the dark multiverse that was created, or the dark world that was created from Wally's nightmare, because Wally's so connected to the Speed Force that instead of dying, the world keeps healing itself quicker than it can die, or something like that. It it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I didn't understand why his world was operating under the same logic of his like powers or his body. It could have been the worlds that haven't felt like that for anyone else or any other dark multiverse we've seen. But whatever. Uh, yeah. That that was the thing, but basically he by by he has to sort of help kill this world, and you know he does that by sitting in the chair. Uh, so that was the other big thing in the in the book that it was was brought up. For the most part, though, it was him saying goodbye to his kids, him sort of asking Tempest to like send them to, to their mom, and then him just sort of saying, "Yes, I'm now this new being, and I will take on whatever he's got." The Manhattan text uh, boxes, which we saw in uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Flash of Fifty. Uh, Booth's art is Booth's art. Like I say, the kids look too old for given how, how yeah. they're talking. Uh, you know, not not super fun. Um, you know, they do this thing where Linda's got a Flash shirt on and she's got a Flash logo on her phone, even though we don't really... I mean, we barely know this version of Linda, right? I mean, maybe she was in this book more yeah. before this issue, but... Well, there was a version of her that had speed powers, too. From the amalgam, like, 
crossover universe. I, I remember looking that up. Yeah, but um, is that relevant to what Rebirth Lynn does? Or, you know, what no, but there was... but I think they merged at some point, if I remember reading something, because it said, who's this new character? Um, there was Godspeed and Linda combined. So who knows? It's... You know, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, it's Brett Bithart down to the way the, the way they're all smelling, the way the the heads feel a bit lankier in places, uh, all the things that you you, you know, like. But for some reason, Wally's smirking at the end of this. You know, when he's like, "Oh, you know, it's a new me," and he has the smirk in his face, and I'm like, "Why are you smirking? I thought you're like this entity now that's sort of beyond emotion." Because he even says at one point that there's no emotions anymore. You know, he's. Like, because after the kids are back with Linda, you see him kind of watching, and then he sort of closes the little hologram in his hand, as if like you know he's done with this now. He's he's had the happy well, ending. Apparently, smirking doesn't count as emotions. I mean, why would you smirk if you don't have emotions? Speed force, bro. Because, because it's badass, and everyone knows that. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Because uh, yeah, so... that's what I think of Wally West as badass. Yeah. <laughs> So thanks, David, for making me read Flash Forward issue six. It wasn't completely punishing because it, at least it went in quite quickly. It didn't feel like it dragged. Mm. There was a lot of two-page spreads and those those eops and pages, which was That's nice. That's good. That's good. No. Yes. No. I mean, as far as the rating goes, it's like a four, a, a, maybe a five, yeah. a stretch. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to judge without the context of the previous issues, though. I'm I'm trying to think about what what we learned in Metal about the Forge. And the Hawkman beast that, you know, destroyed things, right? And that's what Superman and Batman had to go stop. And then we also had the the Forger, right? Who was part of the Anti-Monitor Brigade with, with Perpetua. Sure. Right? So I'm trying to think about how Wally's world fits into that when it, it just doesn't. I that's don't not care how about works. Wally's world. No, because the whole point of those dark multiverses, they got fed to the dragon, remember? Yeah, I, well, I think this is the idea of the ones that after after that, you know, mm-hmm. when all went tits up in metal, um, yeah, these are the ones that kind of left out and, you know, lived mm-hmm. on longer than maybe they should have done. Yeah, also, I'm pretty sure Wally's World's the theme park that the, the Griswolds go to in National Lampoon's vacation. Sorry, folks, uh, we're closed. So stop, so stop talking about Wally's World. It's, it's, it's already a thing. <laughs> stop it. Sorry, Matt. I could I could just see uh, young uh, what's his face the, the son uh, yeah you got Chevy Chase and you got the son uh, I had to make a haul that's what I'm trying to think of yeah. uh, I just see them slow motion running towards the park but the, the empty parking lot and uh, Chariots of Fire playing like, that's mm-hmm. all I can think of when you say Wally's World anyway uh, that is that's Flash Forward issue 6 uh, mercifully done uh, but don't worry, David's got an all two books that he's got sort of still on the list for me to read, so more coming uh, soon, uh, including Telos number one, and I don't know if that's next though, that may be oh. after. <laughs> oh yeah, Lobo issue one for the New 52 is first. Yeah, we got that first. Uh, so, of course I'm excited about these books. Uh, why wouldn't I be? You son of a bitch. Uh, so... <laughs> oh my gosh, it was out of convergence. He hates you. <laughs> he apparently does, yes. So, anyway, that that pretty much wraps up quarantine in the multiverse number two. 
we'll be back next week um so i have no plans to make another quiz for next week but if people want to send some to mftvquestions at gmail.com you're more than welcome to and i will even do one or two if we get a bunch uh but i think we will ask for questions next week we'll get some more questions uh so uh, send in questions to the email address there or you can i'll ask for them on twitter as well uh but questions uh, can be related to dc comics can be related to sort of anything there dear whatever because uh, we'll talk about whatever because it's just that weird time it's that weird quarantine mood mm-hmm. so uh we'll do some questions next week uh but of course you can support us uh by rating the podcast five stars on apple Podcasts. you can like and subscribe all that stuff uh, you can support us financially over at patreon.com slash tv for as little as one dollar per month i will thank our patron producers actually for this uh uh for, for the month uh so thank you to david short uh although i hate you uh just <laughs> fyi uh thank you to alison and Forday, cindy palaceus and tyler hess uh for being producers that means they are 20 dollars and up on patreon.com but you can be a patreon for as little as one dollar per month so go over and see if you want to you know get early access at the five dollar tier for example you get all the all the multiverse shows one day early uh previously of course was back this week and that is now going to be weekly uh, me and carl will be doing that that's, that's me and carl working our way through old dc comics runs uh so go check that out um otherwise uh you know check out screams after midnight the horror movie podcast or the atomic cinema experiment the sci-fi movie podcast uh we're doing 70s month on that right now so there's, there's two episodes of that a week uh go, go and have a look uh you want to hear me and tara talk about god told me to which features a hell of a plot lots of twists and turns it's insane all i'll say about that movie is that when it 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 changes lanes you know when it takes a left turn it commits to the new direction 100 percent. it leaves no room you know nothing behind it's all in on the new plot idea oh yeah so uh check out our our thoughts on god told me to hell of a hell of a movie Matt would love I it. I saw the poster. <laughs> I I suspect the poster does not do anywhere near it justice. No, nah, Matt, Matt would love it. It's exactly it, it, no. it goes places that, I mean, even half an hour into that film, you're like, it, it, you would not predict where it could possibly go. Yep. So, uh, by all means, uh, also Death Race 2000 uh, is a bit of a gem from that era, uh, with uh, David Carradine in a, a gimp suit and a young Sylvester Stallone. Worth yeah, uh, yeah. worth having a look. Uh, anyways, uh, that is us though. So thank you very much for joining us uh, on this weird comic bookless period of time. This this world without comics, our our own dark multiverse, as it were. Uh, so we will see you next time for episode three. I will be looking for questions. So mftvquestions at gmail once again, or quizzes or anything else you want to send. So any sort of little game you want to make us play, uh, is something we can do in this off time and the off season. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep doing stuff to pass time because there's no new comic books <laughs> and remember to never get sick in the speed force if you can it's just going to heal you anyways